Hello and welcome everybody to the Six Pixels Under podcast. I've got my Nerd Slayer uh, shirt on right now, which camera angle doesn't really let me show it that much. But if you guys haven't seen this one already, it's just the, the shirt of the guy saying, uh, Ines is saying, uh, well, looks like another dead game. And then uh, it shows the crappy MMO stats to where it shows one player playing. And then the you get a message on YouTube direct and it says, uh, I'm still playing the game. <laughs> I've showed it to even like strangers and like explained it to them like simply. And they'll always kind of chuckle a little bit. They'll be like, oh, haha, I understand. I'm like, yeah, I know it's pretty nerdy. But that's why I'm glad it's like when you wear it. I didn't want to make my uh, clothing a... Um, how would I say, like a big giant beacon that's just like, I'm a massive nerd. Because I know that there's clothes like that and there's nothing wrong with having clothes like that. But maybe, you know, not every bit of clothing needs to just be like, dee, 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 I am a nerd, you know, big giant megaphone. Holy moly, he's shilling merch. Yeah, more like I, I saw the shirt and I was like, oh, I should wear this one today. <laughs> What's up, Maghorn uh, Mojo Chi? and card what's going on um one thing i'll say for for those listening now on soundcloud or on whatever um i guess i would say uh whatever um podcast platform you guys use to listen to me i'm trying to do a better job of explaining more of what's going on on screen because i know sometimes we'll talk about things because we're watching the stream and we won't react to them in the same way we would if we were just doing a voice recording, right? So I got to do a better job of explaining it for people who can't watch or see. You bought Battletech last night and you're addicted to it now? That's awesome. I've actually been lately getting pretty into uh, Disco uh, Elysium. That's definitely um, the one right now that's got me like the most intrigued that I'm playing. And I'm glad that it's doing well as well. It's always good to see detective games still around, still doing well. Considering I, for the longest time, thought they were kind of just like dead as a genre. I mean, I feel like most people thought that of the mystery genre, period. But on this week's podcast, though, of Six Pixels Under, we have a couple of things to get to before we get to our roundtable, if possible. If anyone's going to join us on the roundtable today. If not, we'll do it ourselves. But um, before I tell you guys what the roundtable is, I'll tell you a little bit about um, what the docket is for today. New World announced that they're going to be um, having pre-purchases on Amazon already but only launching on Steam. So that's interesting. Um, maybe for those who have been following the platform wars, um, you wouldn't have expected uh, an Amazon product in New World to launch on Steam. So that's interesting. There's also um, a little bit of news that apparently ArenaNet is hiring for a third-person fantasy action console title. Um, what that means exactly, not entirely sure. Um, other, Yeah, it's not going to have it on their own launcher. Limpos. According to the article, uh, New World won't have its own launcher, uh, Amazon launcher. So, huh. I don't know exactly why. Maybe they're just not thinking it's worth the pro uh, the um, the pain. I guess I should say, not the price. Magic Legends, which was the magic themed MMO, quote unquote, we thought it was supposed to be an MMO that was announced. Turns out, it only is just cooperative with like a couple of other players. And yet they're still advertising as MMO. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. Darkfall had a, a Rise of Aegon, one of the remaining Darkfall private servers, or 
I guess not not private server is not a correct word. More like um rogue server or, or it's technically an official server, but it's kind of not an official server. I don't know what to call that, but anyway, one of the many new renditions of Darkfall that happened uh, a few years back recently had a big update, which I don't think necessarily is going to um, change the fortune of that game, but I thought it was at least um, good to see, uh, maybe not necessarily good is the wrong word, interesting to see how them trying to fix the problems of Darkfall is going to unfold for them because they're still basically going through it, um, going through how it's like to have a game that basically failed multiple times before and trying to make it right and trying to make it work uh, again. Because it kind of worked before, but not really. But I digress. There's also um, a little bit of update about MMO crowdfunding news. Um, there was a massively OP article done by Bree Royce which I wanted to go over briefly as well, because it just helps explain, uh, you know, all of the major Kickstarter projects and uh, essentially their status, like in a roundabout, or not a roundabout way, but in a simplistic way. It says they're planning on this, they're planning on that, etc. The MMO roundtable for the week, the one that I'm hoping to get to with a, a rogue official server, <laughs> um, the one that I'm hoping to get to today with hopefully maybe some of you guys could join me, in uh, discord and if not i know some of you who are watching or listening at work you can always just talk and chat um, and that's where your way of contributing as well the topic for monday today um which is the 30th of uh, december by the way one more day i believe and we're already at the new year right isn't that right is it tomorrow is the new year no two more days and we're at the new year so that's um exciting i guess right yeah, so the new topic for the end of 2019, the new MMO roundtable topic for the end of 2019 is just simply, is sectioning off gameplay, say for example, player versus environment, player versus player, role play, crafting, is it ultimately problematic is the question. Is sectioning off gameplay, such as the gameplay examples I mentioned, PvE, PvP, RP, crafting, ultimately problematic. And then to further expand on it, I asked, what are your thoughts on them doing it, positive or negative? And then to explain a little bit, notice how PvE often doesn't involve PvP in current MMOs or multiplayer online RPGs. Or PvP doesn't involve much PvE, vice versa. This doesn't seem to be the case for early MMOs. In fact, a lot of the time they combine the two together. But it seems to be the trend now anyhow. So that's kind of a little bit more of an expenditure of should they be kept separate, I guess. We'll get to that a little bit later, though. For now, let's dive into our... Um, well, actually, before I dive into our first topic, I'll just say hello to you guys. How is everybody doing? Um, I know we've had... Um, a slew of holidays and I think we have another holiday coming in a couple of days so it's like that weird holiday in between period between Christmas and New Year but it's still been um, for me so far uh, the end of the year has been uh, I would say welcoming um, welcoming largely always good to see another year but also um, you know having moved and transitioned and finished the artifact video I did um, that one still just needs to be edited and it just feels, it feels good to go into the new year, um, with, uh, with an idea of what's in store, right? 
I will say, and I know you guys are going to hate me because I can't show it to you guys yet, yet, just out of respect for the artist and out of respect for the composer, um, I don't want to release anything or show anything until they're fully paid for what they've commissioned so far. And since they're not done with it yet, I, you get it. I can't really show it to you guys, but I'll tell you that last week I mentioned that I got to see the rough draft of that new series I talked about, Term Travel. The video game series that essentially explains um, the origins, current meaning, and then possible future meanings of a particular gaming um, terminology term. So like, or a video game terminology. So say for example, FPS or um, engine, maybe something like that. Maybe something like roguelike, right? Or roguelite. Certain things that maybe haven't necessarily had the best explanations or definitions before, but that's basically the main crux of uh, the term travel series, is trying to help explain uh, terminology in a way that we can understand and use to our best advantage, basically. Because I talk about it all the time, but if terminology doesn't matter, then, you know, the, the terminology you use doesn't matter. So calling something an MMO doesn't matter if the terminology doesn't really matter, right? So if people aren't holding you accountable for what MMO means um, and have a general idea of it, uh, what it means, it's easier for somebody else to say, well, this is an MMO, even if it's not. So I got to listen to the intro, uh, watch and listen to the intro. And I'll say that I think you guys are going to love the music because I've definitely been enjoying the uh, music. Uh, for the new intro and it's also the intro shot in a way where it kind of reminds you of like the beginning of a cartoon show like a cartoon show intro and um i won't really give any details other than it's um featuring the new content creator who is of course also a detective just a different kind of detective more like doctor who i would say than sherlock and uh he's a time traveler as the name term travel implies and I think his um, his introduction, both music and uh, animation-wise, I think it does a really good job of summing up his personality and also his um, his character's identity. So it'll be exciting. I can't wait to show you guys that. Um, as I said, unfortunately, just out of respect, I can't show it yet because uh, it's not complete yet. So out of respect for the people involved, I won't show it yet. Hey, what's up, Larry AAU? What's going on? Um, all right, so let's go ahead and dive into our first topic, which um, doesn't really need much introduction. We've been talking about New World already, and as I stated at the top, New World is available for pre-purchase on Amazon. But the interesting thing is that it's only going to be playable on Steam. So you're buying a game on Amazon, you can pre-order on Amazon, pre-purchase, but it looks like they're not going to end up having their own launcher which was not how they've been doing it so far, I can say. Um, you know, they've been using a launcher, a Twitch launcher. Um, there's a couple of reasons we can speculate here why they would end up going to Steam. Obviously, popularity, Steam's the biggest platform. Um, could be they don't want to have to deal with their own platform, getting their own platform ready, especially if they're trying to push a launch earlier than normal, right? Um, if they're trying to get a launch out in the spring, which is, I believe, what they're currently shooting for, spring or summer, then that basically means that they wouldn't really have the time to go through all this effort to come up with launcher and platform and all those other things. So maybe they're just thinking, at this point, 
eh, we'll just let Steam kind of take the majority of that load. I think that's interesting, but I wonder if it will bite them in the ass, um, specifically in regards to how you guys know Steam reviews can be sometimes unforgiving, especially if you have a game that is purporting to be something and it ends up not necessarily being that. And I'm not saying that's the case with New World. Um, I'm just saying that it could be the case. The game has changed. I haven't tested it since it's changed, but I will be alpha testing the game, which of course I can't really talk about because of NDA. But I'll be able to uh, test the game out before it launches and then hopefully get to, of course, uh, test and play the game at launch um, to see how the product has shifted since the first time I got to play it and uh, interact with it. And if it's in the right direction for me personally or for maybe what I think my audience is most interested in. So at the moment, it might be that devs convinced Bezos that their platform was trash. Yeah, it could be just a matter of resources, time, etc. You know, they didn't want to dedicate all of that to it. Um, with New World, there are some new changes about the game that certainly have some people worried. For example, if you like the PvP aspects, now there's a little bit more consensual PvP, right? You have to, like, flag for it and... Um, they're shifting the game, as I've been told, towards being more like an MMO, less like a survival game. We'll see if that's the case. Um, uh, you know, only time will tell, basically. Um, but it's so interesting to think that Amazon has a big high-profile MMO coming out, and yet it doesn't really feel like that yet. It doesn't feel like that yet. So I, I, we'll see how the advertising is the next couple of months, because at this point... I think it's safe to say if they don't really advertise New World, is it kind of just maybe what Lempos or Card was saying, where they're just like, hey, let's just push this out and then use this as a learning process for the, the future Lord of the Rings uh, MMO that Amazon Studios is, Amazon Game Studios is also working on. I'm not going to, like, I don't want to say that that's my, like, 100% opinion or that it's, like, a super serious criticism, I just think it's an interesting um, thing to mention that perhaps um, since it's very likely they're going to be using the same engine, which is the Lumberyard engine, that they will take what they have with New World and kind of port it over to maybe a foundational aspect of the new Lord of the Rings MMO. Whether that's true or not, we don't know. Only time will tell. But it's very unlikely that Amazon Game Studios would have spent all that time working on Lumberyard because they've been majority spending their time working on the engine versus the actual game. I know that from developers, personally speaking. They told me that. And so I wonder if... Um, I don't know. I wonder how it all is going to shake out. It'll be exciting to see. I'm a little bit worried, of course, just because of the whole nature of how this New World thing has been handled, where it just seemed like it kind of came out of nowhere again and then all of a sudden it's launching. That makes me think maybe it was expedited um, to a certain extent. Not to mention, if you guys are familiar with Amazon Game Studios, they had a breakaway game before, which was like a MOBA-style action game, and they canceled that one in development. So it's like, the studio hasn't launched any games yet, officially. They're trying to launch an MMO as their official first game in New World. That is a very tall task, but they're not just going to do that. Then they're going to follow it up with another MMO set in the Lord of the Rings universe. I should be excited about all of this, I feel like. Maybe more excited. But as a Lord of the Rings fan, I'm a little bit worried, I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm pretty worried because I didn't like Lord of the Rings Online mm, nearly at all. I mean, I would say I like what they tried to go for in terms of like keeping you as part of the Fellowship story in a way. I like that. 
but I don't like the combat. I don't like how the performance feels. I don't like the the business model. I don't like how the game is, you know, largely at this point, um, a massive melting pot of everything monetization. Those things aside, though, I love Lord of the Rings and I love the books. So no matter what, I'm going to be there to try out the Lord of the Rings uh, MMO. I'm just not very optimistic. <laughs> I don't think they really knew what they were getting into because diving straight into an MMO as your first game typically doesn't work out. It doesn't, and um, it's why early on with New Worlds, and this was admitted, so I'm not saying anything that's past NDA, but it was admitted by them that they weren't able to have the thousand players they were boasting yet in terms of the testing phases. That was already publicly released, um, but they had always planned to have those thousand players. Apparently, right now, they're capable of doing that. So I've been told, we'll see myself if that's true. That would make it an MMO for sure if we're able to connect to the same server concurrently and play together. But um, yeah, just a lot of questions. And when you're so close to launching, having a lot of questions, say for example, Card asked a good simple question the other day, which is basically like, what is New World? Like, what's the hook for New World? Like, what about New World makes me think, this is it, you know? This is what I want to focus my next couple of months into because MMOs are big time investments, right? You're spending potentially hundreds of hours into something. You don't want to spend hundreds of hours into something that you're not going to like, obviously, but sometimes you don't know what you don't like until you try it. And so um, with New World, I think what I've noticed from a lot of my community is they're very apprehensive about it. And I feel like it's because I wasn't wowed. So I don't want to sit here and say, because I'm not wowed by it, you guys can't enjoy it. Um, but I obviously can understand that. Tolkien's Middle Earth is just amazing. It absolutely is. And it's why, like, my girlfriend and I were just talking about it recently because we, we've been watching all the Star Wars stuff, of course. And we're saying we're a little bit worried whenever they do the Amazon um, show for Lord of the Rings because they said that the Lord of the Rings MMO isn't going to coincide with any way or be related to that TV series that Amazon's doing. Anybody uh, catch my drift there? That's all. Sorry for those who can't see what I was doing. But maybe you can hear the sound effects. You'll probably think maybe that's the wrong thing, but I assure you it's above the waist. What's boinging is above the waist. <laughs> it was anything but wowing. Yeah, and Limpos, I don't know if that's even necessarily mean to say, right? Because um, one of the, man, I wish I could tell you guys what we told these d damn developers, man. But the, the NDA, you guys will have to wait a couple of months and I'll do a full video that explains the beginning involved in New Worlds talking with them, working with them, seeing it through uh, their their newest big change, which I haven't got to experience, as I've mentioned, and then, of course, seeing it to fruition at launch. Um, finally, when that NDA is down, I feel like I can tell you guys some things that will make a lot more sense. And you, you guys know me. I'm not typically the secretive type. I'm not. I usually end up telling you guys I won't tell you something I end up telling you guys anyway. Because, I mean, I see it as, like, the people who come and watch me on the live stream versus watch the stream later or watch it on YouTube later, or watch it on SoundCloud, or Apple, or whatever you're watching it at. Um, the people who watch it here are usually a lot more of, like, um, what I would call is, like, the personal crowd, you know? Like, they want to know more about my opinion about something, and those are the people that I feel worse not being able to tell exactly how I feel or think to, but there's laws and things like that. <laughs> World building is so important for an MMO. Having an established world makes a whole lot of difference. Just look at WoW. 
I wouldn't say it is mean. It didn't look or feel that different from a lot of other survival games. And again, I think based on what's been publicly released, so this is not me saying anything under NDA, um, I think that's fair to say, right? In fact, that was the most um, common criticism I saw of New World. On, they had a couple of like leaked videos back then and on the MMORPG subreddit. A lot of people were just railing into the fact that they don't really think it's an MMO and it seems more like a survival game. And they were saying that more in a negative way. But I think that that could be done in a positive way as well. Um, for example, I think now you can have player housing and player housing and then live in certain like villages together and towns together, uh, join a militia, different things of that nature that are supposed to make you feel like you're more connected to the people around you. All of that is good ideas, though. There's just there's a couple things in particular I'm looking for, and because I can't talk about them, I can't really say them. So I'll just move on. All right, we've been talking a lot about ArenaNet, and we will be talking more about ArenaNet because it turns out that ArenaNet is hiring for a third-person fantasy action console title. Um, as the article states on MMOBomb.com, ArenaNet may have downsized earlier this year, but it's looking to upsize at the end of the year. There was a job posting for an art director on the developer's website to drive art and development for an unannounced third-person fantasy action console title. So there's been some talk about this, of course. Some people had said, Guild Wars 3, Guild Wars 3. You guys really think the company that just downsized and has been told that basically the way they were trying to build their previous game wasn't going to work is going to make a third game? after canceling three of their previous projects that were also unannounced. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, guys. It's probably not Guild Wars 3. Why would they be posting and looking for a console-based title? There's just... There's basically, like... I can think maybe 5% likely that they would do a Guild Wars 3. I think it's far more likely at this point, just like they've already admitted, NCSoft has already admitted, by the way. I haven't seen anybody mention this yet. And it kind of makes me remember that I'm, I'm seemingly one of the few people who read financials. <laughs> because if you, read, uh, if you read NCSoft's financials, you would have already saw this coming. Because they admitted it in their financials already. They said that they were going to shift towards making console t a console-based title. They didn't necessarily say what it was going to be, but all of the um, signs are pointing to a port of sorts. Or as Limpos is saying, maybe a spin-off game, because NCSoft has, I think, like six spin-off games. A uh, Lineage spin-off game, an Ion spin-off game, a Blade and Soul spin-off game. Um, what, what else am I missing? I think they have a couple more. Sp oh, li uh, did I already say Lineage? They have another Lineage spin-off game, even. Because there's the Lineage 2 Red Knights, and there's also Lineage 2 Revolution, which was not even made by NCSoft. Um, it's made by Netmarble and a couple other examples. So they've done spin-off things loads of times before. And NCSoft has already stated that how they think they're going to essentially better their revenue. Uh, and and I, should, I should say, yeah, revenue is probably the correct word to use in this context, not profit. Um, trying to better their revenue um, while making an impact on consoles. And so take with that what you will. Obviously, we can imply that could mean a console... Guild Wars 2 release, which I think is possible. Um, do I think it would save the game? 
or do anything other than the other MMOs in the past um, where they've done the exact same thing and all it did is basically give it like a paltry population, uh, halt any updates and any other facet of the game, and then basically when it didn't work was the final nail in the coffin. So let me make that point again because I, I've made this point in my videos before and I, and I think this is a hard pill for some people to swallow. The reason why doing a console port after you design your game can be very problematic is that ESO and Final Fantasy XIV were built in mind to play on consoles. That comes with it a number of problems that make it, in my opinion, a worse PC game. There's, at this point, I don't even know if it's opinion. It's hard to argue that making an MMO playable on the console doesn't make it worse for players on PC. I, honestly, I don't see an argument there. So if someone has an argument, I'm, I'm more than willing to listen to that. Um, the problem is ultimately multiple games have tried to do this. Multiple MMOs have done ports after the fact and dedicated so much of their resources to making ports. Marvel Universe, sorry, Marvel Heroes Online did it. Um, who else did it? Pretty big. Uh, Age of Conan did it or didn't do it. They said that they were going to make an Xbox game and they never did. Um, an Xbox port, I should say. They, they showed gameplay for it and it was really poor. So I'm glad they didn't because it would have been even worse. For them. But they already wasted time on it. So they... I felt like they should have just launched it back then. But anyway, this has happened multiple times where developers think, and maybe publishers in this case, I don't always like to lump it in with developers because I know developers. I've talked to developers personally. I've talked to Colin Johansson person. I've talked to, um, um, uh, is, it, is it John Peters? I've talked to a couple of the ArenaNet devs myself, which I don't even know if those people work there anymore. I don't think they do. They seem like good people. I would never judge developers as just simply being bad because of the circumstances that happen with their game. It, very oftentimes, it's going to be the publisher in some way that's impacting things. And if NCSoft or ArenaNet, in this case, is thinking they're going to toss up a Hail Mary and everything is going to be hunky-dory on the console, it's just not. There's just really... There's not a whole lot of evidence to state that MMOs who've made console launches have somehow increased or bettered their population overall. The only exception I can think about that within NCSoft's own stable is possibly Terra, right? Or no, Terra's not a uh, NCSoft game. It's, um, there's another game I'm thinking of. Not Terra. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe I am thinking of Terra, but that's not an NCSoft game. That's a Blue Hole game. Uh, Blue Hole Studios, I think, is the name of that company. But I know Terra might be an exception because they've had an uptick in population after having a console launch. But that also made them literally change the way their game played. When I went back and played Terra most recently, it is not the same game. I implore any of you right now, if you've played Terra early on and you remember it being hard and all the movement and the bosses killing you in one hit, go play the game now. It's totally a different game. And it's because they launched on consoles. And I think they had some level of success doing that, but yeah, we'll see. Skyrim was 100% designed for consoles. I'm just not sure it would be popular since consoles make you pay for their online services and that drives a good number of people away from that to begin with. Just look at how DCUO did on console versus PC. Um, Maghorn, was DCUO, I can't remember off the top of my head, but was it originally planned to be on consoles? I don't think it was. So there might be an example to use here in the argument I'm making, which is like, some games have done it before, retroactively essentially, done console ports, but it's rarely been good for them. 
Like I've rarely seen an MMO do well after doing a console launch or a console port. If anything, when you looked at Marvel Heroes Online, which is, you know, to me, one of the biggest highest profile games besides maybe Gigantic that tried to do um, in my Death of a Game series that tried to do a porting of sorts and had massive failure because of it. Like Marvel Heroes Online, if you guys haven't seen that video, go watch that Death of a Game video on my channel. That one might be the best example because they legit stopped the content on their PC game just to make content on their Xbox and, and PS4 game. And um, nobody was still really playing it anyway. So it, it's it's interesting that I've seen these different strategies tried before and they just rarely work as intended. So I don't think this is going to work if that's what they're trying to do. But we'll see. I won't uh, speculate anymore. DCUO launched on PC and PS3 on the same day. Yeah, see, that's what I remember. I remember DCUO being targeted for that already in mind. Um, but thanks for reminding me. If only there was some old console MMO that already proved it was an awful idea. <laughs> you know what's funny about that real Dinotron? Final Fantasy XI was the first console MMO I ever bought. Uh, and then I realized that I needed like a PS something membership to play it. And then I was like, oh, crap, I can't even play this game. That happened to me a lot. Isn't that funny to think about? Anyone in chat right here, you guys can tell us your age by saying or admitting that that's happened to you before. Where you've bought an MMO and then you like realized you had to pay a sub fee. Like it sounds hilarious in 2019, almost 2020 to think about that. But that I can think of like four or five examples when I was growing up where I was like, oh, wait, there's a monthly fee to this, huh? Like, what is this? Like, it's, it's funny to think about that now, though, in hindsight. Didn't uh, P PSO also need a subscription for the Dreamcast version? Huh. You know what? I actually think you're right. The annoying thing about PSO's online uh, components, Maghorn, as you remember, was that they were basically designed off of being a single-player game. So you would go to a lobby, a multiplayer lobby, by yourself, and you would you would then load into the online world. It was like it was the the penultimate like original multiplayer online rpg like idea sorry not penultimate the ultimate uh uh multiplayer online rpg idea originally i think it was at least where you're going to like some little like uh, basically a hub you're going to a hub to get online to get to another hub so it was a little bit weird and i think that was a large reason why not a lot of people played fantasy star back then um but I think Fantasy Star Online um, 2, whenever it comes to the West in a few months, even if it's maybe not necessarily my personal game, I'm going to be playing it. But even if it's not my favorite game, I don't play it for a long time. I actually think it's going to do like surprisingly well. Like that's my, that's my forecast for PSO2. I think it's going to do surprisingly well. That and it was a dream uh, Dreamcast exclusive at first. See, I don't remember that shit. That, that means like... Fantasy Star Wise, I'm just not as big as a fan then because I always remembered it on Xbox Live. So I wonder what the time period was between Dreamcast and Xbox Live or Xbox, I guess. Wouldn't it have been a couple of years? I remember going to GameStop to buy the 60 day pre <laughs> prepaid cards for WoW back in the day. I just know WoW or Eve would be half of my monthly allowance. You got an allowance. Now it's half your page. <laughs> Hey, you guys are shitting on card for having an allowance. Um, I technically had an allowance as well, but only like a couple of months a year. And it was always like $5. The way my dad did it is he would basically just, if I went to uh, karate as a kid, he would reward me. He'd like buy me like McDonald's or a toy or like Beyblade or some shit. Like whatever 
back then you could just go to Toys R Us and you'd find shit, right? Under $10. So my dad would uh, incentivize me to go to to uh, practice as a kid, basically martial arts practice, by kind of like bribing me. He'd be like, oh, I'll get you a Frosty. I'll get you a Frosty. Frosty's $1. $1.08 where I'm at. And so in my head, though, that Frosty wasn't a dollar. It was like $100. So I was like, oh, my God, I got a Frosty. <laughs> it's funny, like, how... um your privilege definitely changes your perspective on things. I think um, having an allowance could be seen as being a, being privileged in a way. Um, but I think ultimately it just kind of depends. Like if you're doing chores and you're getting an allowance, isn't that no different than just basically doing something to get paid, right? It's when kids get big, massive allowances and they don't have to do anything for it. And I went to um, a, I've told you guys this before. I went to a very wealthy high school. Like I think the, wealthiest public high school in the entire state of texas um or top four and uh let me tell you some kids there man they had allowances all right five bucks in a in a a frosty for going to practice isn't an allowance compared to i knew kids who already had credit cards in uh, high school and their parents would let them spend four hundred dollars a month five hundred dollars a month i'll stop whenever you guys want me to a thousand dollars a month, fifteen hundred dollars a month. Yeah, that's the kind of allowances I was dealing with whenever I was going to high school. People just had money, man. It was just like, it's just crazy, you know. Like for me, it was so crazy because I went from being in like a really poor neighborhood, uh, an ESL poor neighborhood as well, to living in almost an area where just about everybody only spoke English. And everybody there was pretty damn wealthy. It was like, I'll talk about it in my um, draw my life sort of thing that I'll do at some point. Maybe at 200K. Because I said I was going to do it at 100K. But technically I've lost my artist. So I need to hire another artist. So maybe I could do it before then. But I'll shoot for 2020 into 2020. So Limpos doesn't get mad at me for another uh, shifted promise. (laughs) I used to save up uh, my lunch money to cover my WoW sub. Well, that's the funny thing for me, Pin Zero, is I, I grew up as a very poor kid. So I've heard a rhetoric, and I still hear it to this day, of, but MMOs are too expensive. MMOs are too expensive. And I've always found that so interesting. You know why? Because it's not true. It's just not true. MMOs are not that expensive. I think what confuses people is free-to-play games. The most. I think that really kind of like confuses your mind on what you're supposed to expect from a game, right? It's kind of like whenever um, Path of Exile wants to monetize in some way, even if it's just a small way and they're considered one of the better monetization plans, people still complain. And it's like, hey, you guys like this company, but they still have to make money, right? They still have to support the development of their game. It's like they can't do it for free. And I noticed this even with my own channel. When I first started asking for um, Patreon donations and donations on my live stream, I found it interesting that people would use that as a, like a way to like mock me or like be like, oh, like you're a beggar. Or, like, why do you need all this money? And it's like all this money. But you, you guys know how much money I make. It's almost public record. And I've also gone on record stating that I'd tell you guys how much money I'd make. I'd even show you the, the statistics. Because it helps my case, you know? Like, maybe if I was one of those YouTubers who was making, like, $100,000, maybe I'd be like, oh, yeah, donate to me, guys. And then I wouldn't, like, show you guys how much money I was making. And then I'd, you know, be hush-hush about it. 
There's a lot of YouTubers who do that. I understand that criticism. But you guys know how much I make, and you know I don't make advertised videos. So it's kind of like, it's one of those things, it's like, pick your poison. Expensive is relative. In a world where th uh, with free-to-play, it's hard to justify to anyone but the hardcore at $15 a month sub. Yeah, it's it, like, I will freely admit that was different when I was a kid. Like, $15 a month subscriptions back then were a lot more commonplace. When I meant that saying it's too expensive is not a good excuse, what I simply meant is that I've been dirt poor where, you know, I didn't have money myself to go get myself food, and I've still managed to really play MMOs. And how have I done it? Well, cost-benefit analysis, and I love talking about that shit, but I did it in my Rise of a, a Mobile MMO video. It just comes down to how much are you going to play the game? How much enjoyment are you going to get out of it? If you're going to get more than 15 hours out of it, you're telling me $1 an hour for enjoyment isn't enough for you? $1 for an hour of enjoyment? You consider that a bad deal? What about 30 hours for $15? Two, uh, 50 cents an hour? Like, what if we just keep going? How, how many people only play 10 hours a month when they pay a subscription fee? I would argue a very low percentage of them. 20 hours each time I've checked, 10, or sorry, 15 to 20 hours seems to be where the majority of people are playing if they're playing the whole week. Um, statistically speaking, that's casual players, right? 15, 20 hours. Um, if you're doing like, let's just say 10 hours a week, 40 hours a month at $15, you just end up, like, when you break it down to the math and, and the, the actual value, you end up kind of scratching your head and thinking, like, it's actually a pretty good deal. If you think about it, <laughs> it's a pretty good deal. I mean, how many things in real life can you guys do for a couple of dollars of enjoyment? Just a couple. For a coffee at Starbucks or wherever your local coffee place is, maybe you spend two, three, four bucks. What if instead of five coffees... You just paid for a subscription instead. Some of you might ask, well, I hate subscriptions. I just want a game that's free to play. Do you really, though? Because if you do, and you find one that has a good, fair model, like Path of Exile, then I totally understand why you'd be attracted to such a thing. Low barrier to entry, low barrier to entry to get your friends to play. Um, uh, there's not a lot of pressure to keep playing, right? You can always drop it and come back later on. You don't feel like you have to keep playing like with an MMO where you're paying a subscription fee. But do you really want to deal with all the other microtransactions that become available when you don't have a subscription fee? For example, cash shops, expansions, XP boost, labor potions, right? If we're talking Arc Age, mounts, costumes, um, loot boxes. What am I missing here? Um, uh, those are the majority of the things you would expect. Th the point being is that I get a little bit annoyed at the whole $15 a month argument with subscriptions and that being too much money because basically when you're paying or playing or both a typical MMO experience these days it's you buy the game and it's buy to play with some kind of shop attached to it a lot of the case in majority of games right now right but let's say you pay 30 bucks and your game's 15 bucks or whatever a month so 45 bucks a month uh, sorry, 45 bucks for that first month. And then after that, it's just 15 bucks. Um, after that being 15 bucks, barring very specific situations such as maybe cosmetics or things that you don't necessarily need or are pressured to buy, those could theoretically increase the ceiling. Like in WoW, you can do character transfers. But 
in a good portion of those kinds of games, they don't necessarily have all the other cash shop stuff attached to it. And so at first you might think, well, $15 seems like a high amount of money, but $15 is the ceiling. So there's, there's no going past the ceiling. So if, um, I'll, I'll use my, my switch controller. If this is the ceiling and the top of the ceiling here is $15 and the bottom of the uh, bottom of the floor, right? The floor is $0. That's my ceiling, right? That means the most I can spend on my game for that month is $15. The ingenious part about a microtransaction filled free to play game is that they get rid of all of that, right? They take the ceiling and then go like that. Or to, to fit my analogy, they take the ceiling and go like this. <laughs> so if this is the ceiling and the floor. They're like, $15 is nice if you have 100,000 players. How about just 1,000? How much money would we need to make off of them in order to be the same level of successful, if not more successful? They just keep rising the ceiling, basically. Uh, raising the ceiling, sorry. How much time of playing an MMO is enjoyment, though? Most gameplay in MMOs is mindless grind and busy work. So you'll have to, anytime you guys make a statement to me, I'm always going to ask you the same thing. Be more specific, basically. So you'll have to be specific. What's considered busy work? What's considered boring, etc. Because um, I would argue a lot of the shit that people consider boring isn't boring to me, which is why I don't like when people say this is just boring. Like it's like a law or everyone sees it as boring, right? And you might ask, well, maybe people in our chat aren't making arguments like that. But most people do make arguments with the words most people. Like I just did, right? You're talking about something at large. If a good portion of people are saying a certain mechanic is boring, yeah, it's probably a good chance it's boring. But if you, if a good portion of people are saying what's considered boring, it doesn't matter. Because my opinion of what's considered boring is different, even if it's going against the majority of players. Sub means you usually have to spend quite a lot of time into the game. Where, where a game is buy to play with a cosmetic shop, it's made for the more casual player. The sub equals more uh, the sub equals pressure. So I think that the interesting thing about that is um, at, at the surface, it's probably true. Um, in reality, it's not true. And that's just because essentially at the end of the day, when you're playing a buy to play game or a free to play game with a cash shop, it might be nicer for a casual player to play, but for anybody who's not a casual player, it's demonstrably worse. And I, I've raised this in my business model video. The point that I'm making is if you allow somebody to buy an XP potion, for example, on your shop, even if casual players don't buy it, it doesn't matter. It's still affecting the entirety of the game. So the other players, the hardcore players, are the ones that feel like they need to do something, right? You, like when I said in my Black Desert Online video, you need five pets. People took that and were like, you don't, you don't need, you don't. Come on, guys. Be charitable with me here. You know just about anybody who's playing Black Desert Online has five pets or is trying to get five pets. Like, we don't have to make, like, non-arguments to just defend our spending habits, I guess. Like, if you want to spend money and you're okay with that sort of system existing, then just admit that. Why have to, like, logically explain that oh, it's better this way, or it's because they need to make money. And you see these arguments all the time. Oh, cash shop, because they have to make money, right, guys? They don't have to sell you a loot box, though. Nobody's putting a gun to their head and saying, hey, sell me loot boxes. Um, make me pay for an arch pass. Make me pay for daily labor points. Nobody's 
forcing them to to char charge for those things, right? Uh, let's see. I think you also have to factor in competition. Back in the day, open world games didn't exist. Now for the same cost of the initial game, you can basically get a theme park MMO without any people and with slightly produ uh, better production values. Expensive is relative. Yeah, so to, to highlight that, um, I had a tweet recently, if you guys want to go check it out. It was about Path of Exile. Um, it kind of, honestly, it brightened my day. It made me really happy to know that um, the developers behind Path of Exile themselves don't see it as an MMO. In fact, they've explicitly stated it's not an MMO on purpose. They literally designed it not to be an MMO on purpose because, as their developers argue, it's better that way. Almost as if that's been my argument all along. <laughs> that's why I like Path of Exile. They're good guys. Maybe I don't play the game. Maybe the game's not for me. But they're one of the good guys. And... They're doing their part to let people know, maybe you shouldn't always make an MMO. Maybe you should make something different. And maybe it's better because of that. Is it confirmation bias when they have thousands upon thousands of players, though, Limpos? Isn't that a little bit more than confirmation bias? Confirmation bias would be like, oh, you just agree with me, so I agree with you. But they're also proving it by all the people who are playing and enjoying their game. So I think they kind of proved that they were right, right? That it didn't need to be an MMO. That, in fact, it was better that it wasn't an MMO. By their own admission and by the admission of the people playing the game. So maybe someone like me will complain, how come it's not an MMO? You guys heard me made that criticism about Path of Exile. I wish it was more like an MMO. I will admit that. But that's just my opinion. Doesn't mean that they have to make it that way just because I like that kind of game. Because that kind of game is a different kind of game. There's a reason that there's a complaint that single-player games get MMO mechanics. <laughs> yeah, to expound on that a bit, I think Limpos is trying to imply that the more boring fetch quest um, in any kind of game these days gets relegated to being described as an MMO-like quest. Like when Dragon Age Inquisition came out and people shit on a lot of the busy work, they compared it to MMOs. <laughs> We live in such a bubble, guys. We think our games are so great. And yet other genres kind of look at us like a little bit of a joke sometimes. Maybe just not fully fleshed out. Free-to-play games pressure you in different ways. Timed events, gating a la energy systems, boss windows. Also, you can throw in things like power increases, right? Like pay to win. Um, story content being unlocked versus grinded endlessly. Here's a perfect example. In uh, Lord of the Rings Online, in order to get your legendary weapon, which is like a main point of playing the game, is to get a higher amount of power as a character, so you get a legendary weapon. In order to get a legendary weapon, you can A, buy it, right? Buy the thing you need to have it. Or you can grind the old quests and dungeons that were created over a decade ago over and over again until you can then get enough points to buy the legendary weapon so you could then play the more recent content that you also have to buy. Yeah, that's Lord of the Rings. That is real. I've started playing ESO a little bit more seriously lately, and I feel like I need to get ESO Plus so I can compete better at the at the in-game level. And that's the hardest part uh, based Praetorian to explain to people is that I have casual fans who take it as if I'm like insulting them whenever I say Black Desert Online has pay-to-win mechanics. Because they're like, but I'm not pay-to-win and, and I still enjoy the game. Oh, okay. But you not seeing it as pay-to-win, you not doing it that way doesn't change other people from doing it that way. 
And that's the genius of free to play is for the casual player, jump in, jump out, spend some money, no problem. But for the consistent player, what do you think they're doing? Continuously spending money. Otherwise, how is the game going to stay alive, basically? Uh, Star Trek Online is a great example of that. It doesn't have enough players to just exist off of like a subscription fee or something, right? So how do they survive? Well, whales, right? A couple of people who spend enormous amounts of money on their shop keep their game alive. My only issue with GG is their unwillingness to optimize their game. Yeah, I guess I don't play enough to, to necessarily know what that's about. Okay, so there are no fake MMOs that are doing well. Not sure I understand uh, the point. As weird as it sounds, uh, the real Dinotron says, I hope MMO developers are watching Fortnite closely. Fortnite's storytelling through change of environment is something MMOs should strive for, yet rarely ever accomplish. Warframe pops up on the corner screen. You say something about fake MMOs? <laughs> I don't like the word fake MMOs. I just prefer calling them what they actually are. So if a game's a, not an MMO, but it's a multiplayer online RPG, then it's a multiplayer online RPG. A fake MMO sounds as if you're like gatekeeping when that's not the point of genres. The point of genres is not really to gatekeep. I guess some people can gatekeep, but the point of a genre is just so you know where it stands. Like what kind of game is it? If you're explaining it to somebody who didn't understand, if they could just look up the term, they should be able to understand what they're getting into. Hard part about an MMORPG is you don't, right? You don't. You look up the word MMORPG, and you're like, man, this sounds awesome. You get into a game, you're like, damn, I love this MMO. But then you're like, wait a minute. What's massive about this game? Well, technically nothing, right? The highest player count in a zone is maybe 64 players in this game or 200 players. So what's massive about it? Well, not, maybe not necessarily anything. Maybe there's not even a talent trees or customization in your game in any serious capacity. Like even games like Final Fantasy XIV are guilty of that. So then it's kind of like barely an RPG, right? When you argue, if there's not as much customization. I, think, I feel like that's the biggest problem with MMORPGs. When I look at the term uh, for a genre like FPS, I know it's a first-person shooter. I know there's a big, broad range of what that means, but I know it's a first-person shooter at least. <laughs> I feel like we need to explain what the hook is of an MMORPG. And obviously, I've been trying to do that for some time, and I think the main hook, of course, is, well, what the games were originally based on and why they were created in the first place. Social interactions. Social play. All the DLCs, uh, so we're talking about ESO, all the DLCs plus 10% experience in a bag for crafting stuff that's worth $12 if you ask me. That's ESO plus. I mean that the fake MMOs that we say are not MMOs are, are none of them successful, even though they keep that genre title. Um, because it sounds, uh, you made it sound like GGG magically have more players because they elected to not take on that genre title. I don't think you think I think that, Limpos. So I, I'll give you a little bit of time to think more about what I was saying, but I don't think you think that I think it has anything to do with the title. The title are just words. I can put words on anything. Like, it doesn't have anything to do with what I'm saying. What, what I have to do is design, which is said in my tweet if you go read my tweet. Auction house can be massive. Exactly. If your game has an auction house, isn't it a massive multiplayer online game? Well, maybe not, right? 2k hours on the game, it won't be something you see during a story playthrough. But PoE starts chugging when you mess around with the maps, and the screen gets really cluttered. 
basically playing the game the way the devs intended you to play. The game gets notably less stable with each major update. Hmm. Why, why does it seem like it's still largely doing good then? Ben Zero, you think people just don't care enough about the performance stuff? Or don't experience it enough, I guess? I play ESO for the PvE content, trials and dungeons and whatnot. I think that's probably the best thing to play ESO for, right? Yeah, because, I mean, the, the thing is, Limpos, ultimately, calling something a term or an acronym literally does nothing. Like, in, it, in, in of itself. Like, if I, right now, am creating a game, and I call it an MMO, but I make a first-person shooter that has no multiplayer, does it matter if I call it an MMO? It's not actually an MMO. The, the point with Path of Exile is, they didn't call it that, nor did they design it that way. And that's my point. They don't, they're not calling it something it's not, and they designed it something different. So I think it's uh, especially interesting in the case of Path of Exile, especially when you look at Massively Overpowered, <laughs> and they love mentioning Path of Exile. Um, it's just funny to see that other people are having trials and tribulations about, oh, is this game because of these mechanics? Meanwhile, the developers are like, no, that was a conscious design decision to not be an MMO. I feel like that's a pretty, like, rock-solid argument, you know? Because they're not saying, oh, well, we, we called it this, we called it that. They're saying, we made it this way. So then, therefore, we made a different game. And I think that's pretty fair. And I appreciate them being honest about that. I think, it, if anything, it just makes them look better, right? I wouldn't say Diablo 3 is an MMO because it had an auction house. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the joke. <laughs> All games should have... Um, a RMAH? What is that? A random market auction house? Oh, real money. Oh, real money auction house. I'm assuming that's, that's probably what you meant. Gotcha. PUBG can be seen as an MMO as well. Oh, God. Calling it an MMO comes with the baggage of expectations. Yeah, like to, to go into... Um, I'm ranting at this point, so I'm going to go ahead and move on to my next topic. Uh, which is going to be Magic Legends, another rant. <laughs> it's a little bit ranty today, that's for sure. Um, but there, there are some interesting things and some annoying things that have unfolded lately. Um, so I'll read you guys the exact quote um, for those who are curious. Um, I'll post the link first. But uh, the quote is essentially the following. In summary... By choosing not to make Path of Exile a traditional MMORPG, we've effectively reduced both the technical and business risks for our small team. Instead, we focus solely on delivering a great action RPG. Action RPG. So far, these decisions have paid off significantly. We are developing a product that we're very pleased with and for a budget that we can afford. They literally have a thread on their, um, on their wiki titled why we hate being called an mmorpg it's a great it's a great read like if you guys are curious go through and read it because you'll you'll hear a lot of the similar stuff that i've said before and yet i haven't heard these guys make this argument before so but yeah don't worry uh, this will be used as a big point of my uh argument whenever i actually start to explain or make that video explaining what the term mmorpg means i'll show an example of how basically by not pretending to be something that you aren't, you can actually focus on working on the aspects of your game that you can 
get really good at, right? Like, if your game isn't designed to be an actual MMO, it's pretty hard to make it good at that, right? But if your game is designed to be an action RPG and you want multiplayer elements to it, I feel like it's easier to make a good ARPG and then add multiplayer elements to it versus making, like, a big, massive MMO that has ARPG combat and the ARPG combat is good enough to rival Path of Exiles. I don't really see that being possible anytime soon, but I would love for that to be the case. I've said it myself, but I think ARPGs have really good framework to actually be MMOs. I think you could do an MMO ARPG and it could work and be fun. In fact, Fractured, um, the Fractured MMO, which I'll talk about a little bit later, is somewhat sort of like that, but it's just, they don't have the speed of Path of Exile. Obviously, they don't have the graphics or the um, animations and the gameplay loops are just different, right? Because as said in the article I linked, um, the main purpose of Path of Exile is looting, right? It's just getting the gear and it's randomized. That's not how MMOs work. MMOs don't typically have randomized gear. That was a point they made, which was something I didn't even realize, but I guess it's a distinction between ARPGs and MMOs, huh? I think PoE does well as it does because it simply is one of the best options available for that genre of games. Um, the stability issue is pretty well known for basically anyone who plays the game enough, but they are willing to tolerate it because it's just that solid of a game. I think a lot of them do ignore the MMO parts and just make a multiplayer online RPG, then throw the MMO title on it. Yeah, and that's basically my, my in, a, in a nutshell, Limp Boss, that's my point. Albion is kind of one. Albion Online, it's an ARPG light. Man, shit. If you guys consider Path of Exile to be an ARPG, I don't know. Is a Albion Online considered ARPG, man? I guess it is, right? Wait, how is the how do you define if combat's action? Like, I feel like that's just one of those things that's so hard to prove. Like, how how do you define something as action, an action RPG? Is Albion like action? Is it an action RPG? I don't know. WoW does these days. Oh, that's a good point. WoW has changed a lot. So maybe what I said earlier, I'm I'm just looking at it from the classic WoW perspective. But I guess that they've changed a lot of how gearing works. You don't? It's a stupid term overall. Yeah, it's also one I feel like that's been used for a lot of like buzz buzz things, you know, like action, you know, whatever. Action MMO, action this, action. Wow, it's so exciting. The action. It's like, all right, what does that even mean? Like, nice animations? Physics-based engine? What does action mean? I have always associated ARPGs with stuff like Diablo and Path of Exile. Alright, let's, let's be annoyed for a second and talk about Magic Legends. So, I announced on Twitter and, well, they announced all over the place that Magic Legends, which is a new MMO action RPG from the creators of Neverwinter. New MMO. I was like, damn, I'm excited. A new MMO, and even in the Magic universe, I've heard about this game in production for a while now, but we didn't know any details about it. So I was like so excited to find out about how this game is an MMO. And then I figured out it isn't. Not, it's not even like debatable. They didn't even try to say, well, we've got eight players. We've got 16 players. No. Three players. Three players. So you and two other planeswalkers, I think is what they're saying, right? Three players. 
Look, you guys can say I'm an elitist. You can call me a gatekeeper. You can say I'm, I care too much about shit that doesn't matter. Fair enough. Fair enough. But it, does anybody here want to make the argument that three people is considered massive? <laughs> anybody want to make that argument? <laughs> Come on, maybe like 100. Maybe 200. Maybe 500. Three? Three people? <laughs> Why not just call it a multiplayer game? Like, is it because Cryptic is working on it? Is that why they're calling it an MMO? Right? Because Cryptic has worked on other MMOs before, right? Like Star Trek Online. Like Neverwinter Online. And yes, to answer your question, Maghorn, we did try Neverwinter, and I think I quit immediately. In fact, I, the first time I ever tried Neverwinter Online was at PAX when it first was coming out. And I remember playing the game and immediately saying, this game is worse than Neverwinter Nights 1 on the PC. And that was my true opinion. And I still, to this day, feel that way. But who knows? Maybe if I go back, I'll have a different experience. I don't think I'll touch an art game, let alone a, um, let alone a cryptic game at this point. I mean, how many times do you guys have to be kind of screwed over by a developer until you personally decide, I'm not going to buy anything from them? Like, I'm curious. Like, how many... How many times would you guys say? I'd say in my current, you know, 26-year-old, more, slightly more mature phase, maybe I'd say once or twice these days. Like, I'm a, I'm a lot less lenient than I was before. But I would argue that before, I might have said maybe three, four, five, six times. Maybe it would have just kept going if I just had fun, period. Might have just kept playing your game anyway, even if there was a lot of negative whatever about it. Arc is just a launcher for games published by Perfect World. It's not restricted to cryptic games. Okay. Well, so maybe they won't use it. Is that what you're saying? Maybe Magic Legends won't use Arc, or it's not their actual platform. It's Perfect World's platform, not Cryptic's platform. I think I understand. <laughs> Most games are worse than Neverwinter Nights one on the PC. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. Um, if you're wondering why I like Neverwinter Nights one more. Elg Fest to answer your question um, of of basically why I, I'm assuming that's what you meant why for the answer is simple um, when you play Neverwinter Nights one and two online it feels like you're playing a multiplayer online RPG not any more different than SWOTOR Neverwinter um, Star Trek Final Fantasy fourteen you name it the only difference is and it's a pretty big difference you actually have control over the server so you can actually be a DM for your server. There is basically no MMO that allows you to do that. That allows you to have that level of control over a world, let alone a server. Ultima Online was probably the first biggest example I can think of of making things like private shards, private servers. They call them shards, but private servers um, really mainstream. You know, Ultima for me personally, maybe someone can tell me if there's a different game that you can think of, but. I think Ultima might have been the first MMO to really have the idea of allowing players to customize and change servers or shards, right? Um, I think that that's a great idea. One that Neverwinter Nights won, you know, being a multiplayer online RPG or just a, or a, a multiplayer, sorry, just being an RPG that had multiplayer um, allowed for you to create and change the world in a way that not even a good amount of MMOs allow you to. So um, that's why I like Neverwinter Nights won uh, more than a majority of 
MMOs, frankly speaking, or or more specifically, multiplayer online RPGs. One free fuck up and then two times their fuck up, three times my fuck up. I feel like that's a good way to look at it. Both that they may not use it and it's not their platform. Got you. Never uh, Winter Nights 1 is a legitimately great game. Yeah, I don't know if at this point that's even necessarily uh, controversial. But how about we go a little bit more controversial and say it's better than a good portion of games that are currently out now, right? I mean, opinion aside, again, what game allows you to create an online server world, whatever narrative, module, whatever you could possibly think of creating within the confines of their um, module ed editor, their uh, world builder, their tool set, whatever you want to call it. Um, really, if you go look at Neverwinter Nights 1 and 2 mods, it's like whatever you can possibly imagine. People have done shit like made Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter Nights. <laughs> like, they've made the entirety of Baldur's Gate as a Neverwinter Nights mod. <laughs> like, there's just really not that many games that let you have that level of control over a game. And um, at some point, um, maybe we'll do a classic stream where I can DM or have somebody else DM while we're playing Neverwinter Nights on an online server. So I can show you guys what I mean. Because sometimes just saying things just isn't enough. Yeah, the thing about Neverwinter Nights 1 was, it, was that it's basically still doing all of the rolling. It's just happening behind closed doors. So the combat still in some part does feel slower and clunky because of that, I think. Even being old, it plays better than most. It's a player choice in a box. Single multiplayer RPGs both have totally lost that. Neverwinter Nights 1 for me is a great game, but I hate the edited D&D 3.5 rule set from a D&D player perspective. Fair enough. Um, I'm not, a, I guess, enough of a D&D player to know what, why that's a problem. So maybe you could explain that to me, uh, Blue Coal. Or Blue Coal. Okay, Magic Legends. Let's talk, some, uh, let's talk a bit about Magic Legends. Um, everywhere I'm seeing, they're calling this game a massive multiplayer online game. Even though on their official Twitter, they've already stated that you can play alone or with up to, up to, meaning that's your cap for players, up to two other planeswalkers. Let's read the comments. I love reading the comments on shit like this because you'll get people who defend stuff and you're always just like wondering why you're defending something that's like against your best interest as a consumer. But anyway, um, that's why I think it's funny when people defend corporations as if a, an entity that's designed for absolute profit gives a fuck about what one consumer says, right? Who's defending them, let alone? So a three-person group, and you're calling it an MMO. And so this guy responds with, it can be an MMO with three-person groups, dude. That doesn't mean there will only be three people traversing the world. <laughs> Why do you think they made three people the, the max group size, man? Come on, man. Come on. Is that the mental, mental gymnastics, Larry? Is that... Come on. Do you actually think they're going to be massive amounts of players in the world if you only have a three-person group in an ARPG? Just use a little bit of, like, other games as some comparisons here. Come on. If Path of Exile can't do it, why in the hell do you think that a brand new game from Cryptic of all studios can do it? Uh, so it talked about the Game Awards advertising it as such as well. Um, it's just, it's interesting that it didn't used to be so fragrant, uh, flagrant, meaning like people wouldn't do it so brazenly, right? 
but now you're seeing it done i mean at a at an award show they showed at an award show with a teaser trailer advertising their game as an mmo then later stating it only had three players max in a party i feel like it's almost like in a weird way yeah you have ggg and path of exile and warframe and a couple of games who will say hey we're not mmos but we're kind of similar um but those might be exceptions because it still looks like largely the market is just fine with using MMO as a term for advertisement. If you're okay with that um, and okay with them using it incorrectly to advertise their game, then, you know, I guess this, this means nothing to you. But if you're like me and you find it annoying that when a game has millions upon millions of dollars backing it, you can't even sell the game for what it actually is. You have to say it's something that it essentially isn't. That just inherently puts a bad taste in my mouth. Call me too literal, but that's just how I am. Could they mean that it's three people in a group for group content, but open world otherwise? If they mean that, they probably mean a lobby world. I'm assuming they're going to have a lobby world, if that's what they mean, laying this. It is possible, and that would be closer to Final Fantasy XIV. And, um, I mean, multiplayer on our online RPG. Why not just call it that? What's wrong with that? You can still sell a lot of the same things. You just also don't have to lie or you don't also have to just not defend certain arguments, right? So like if I had the chance to interview and oh my, I wish I would have the chance to interview the devs <laughs> on Magic Legends. If I just point blank asked them how it was an MMO, I honestly don't think they could make an argument. I don't think they could. And I think that that's just one of those things where it's like, if you can't make an argument, then why would you even say it was, right? Like, why would you even argue it was if you can't make an argument that it is? Like, if your only argument that it is is a lot of people are playing the game, which is, by the way, what people like Ark say, what people like Atlas have said, oh, our game's an MMO because lots of people play it. So it's an MMO by that nature, right? I guess words don't matter anymore. Yeah, at least they're slowly starting to not matter anymore. Um, or what I should I should say they haven't mattered in a while. Not slowly starting because they haven't mattered in a while. You're playing with your friends, so it's basically an MMO, just like Left 4 Dead. Yeah, I mean, all this time, if we just saw Left 4 Dead as the true MMO experience it was, we would have enjoyed the game way better, right? If you, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna make a funny little rant here, but this one makes a lot of sense. Okay, what if I took a game like um what about like a shooter what uh, let's let's just use left for dead right left for dead's a four-player game unless you're doing um zombies against the uh players the humans right so you got four players in your game now what if i sold that game as a massive multiplayer online rpg i added a little bit of progression in it maybe i let you have a skill tree and run faster, pick up different weapons or something, right? And then you, basically everything else was the same. Um, would there be any reason for me to, like, let's say I'm Valve, would there be any reason for me to sell that game as an MMO? You could argue maybe I'd get more attention, right? I, I could see an argument there. But I could also see the argument that people would say, but there's only four players, right? That seems like literally the first argument you'd make. But there's only four players. And yet we're getting advertised by a company who's made games before. 
And their argument is three players is an MMO out the gate. I mean, they've literally admitted it. I don't think I've seen a developer before actually admit the num- the max number count they have in a group and then still advertise as an MMO. And what I mean by that is that when do you see Final Fantasy XIV talk about the max players in zones? There is a max player count, but you don't see anybody talk about it. And it's because, well, it's either A, not reached, B, doesn't matter because there's not that much content, if any, in the game that requires that many players anyway. And third, you're in a city. So you have a lobby zone. You're meeting in a lobby zone. So maybe if we took a game like Left 4 Dead, gave it a lobby zone, gave it the ability to have customization, we could call it a multiplayer online RPG. Maybe even throw in a multiplayer online FPS, right? But calling it an MMO and not building it in any way to be supportive of an MMO just seems like it's problematic, right? Because if we wanted to make it an MMO or more MMO-like why would we play Left 4 Dead, right? Like, why would I make the game Left 4 Dead? That's that's my main analogy. That's my main point here is, like, if I wanted to make an MMO, why would I try and sell a game like Left 4 Dead as an MMO versus stating that we have multiplayer features, you can play with your friends, you can team up with other players, you can say all the same, like, work together, teamwork, without having to say, there's massive amounts of players, which is pretty easy to prove wrong i feel like especially when you're saying three players so i personally think that this advertisement has hurt them if you just read through the 77 comments of this thing majority of people are negative about it right the majority of people on this thread and most of the time i've seen it mentioned since then they're pretty they're pretty negative right i mean this guy even points out what i mentioned earlier which is only a minority of people consider poe An MMO. Not even the devs themselves consider it an MMO. Right? And then people are asking the same questions we're asking. Which is why it's funny when, you know, Limpos, as much as you hate other people's opinions for some reason, they literally ask the same things we're wondering right now. And it's not like I read this before. But they they, then they just ask the same thing somebody in chat right now asked? Like, what, what does it mean anymore? What does the term mean anymore? If other people are asking that, it means that there's a problem. And if a good, <laughs> this guy's like, who gives a flying fuck what it is? As long as it's fun. Johnny B Gaming didn't like that. He gave him a big response saying, this is an MMO subreddit. We'd like to discuss actual MMOs. Hey man, you can't do that here, dude. You're just being a gatekeeper. You hate all other opinions because you're right. Because bias is always right. It's true. The, the bias is never not biased. Neverwinter Nights is based on D&D role-playing with 3.5 rules, but the devs adjusted and, uh, adjusted and dubbed down the or a lot of the rules to better suit a PC game and somewhat make it more action-oriented. This takes away all the role-playing elements from the game. I can understand why to make it doable for PC game, and I still think that Neverwinter Nights is a good game, but that's just my opinion for some more off-topic. No, I think it's an interesting discussion because I've been playing D&D a lot more lately. And I'm actually going to have my first, uh, actually, you know what? I should ask if any of you guys are potentially interested, um, like card perhaps, but I'm about to do a, a Star Wars role play as well in the, um, I can't remember what they call the Star Wars uh, role play universe, but you know, with, um, Edge of the Empire, Rebellion and, um, Force of Destiny, the, the three different, uh, RPG books. Anyway, I'm starting a campaign 
um, that's text-based. And I think in like another week or so, and I've decided hilariously, you guys will like this one, I've decided to play a protocol droid, or sorry, to play an HK assassin droid who was essentially they took the chassis and the um, they took the chassis and maybe even the central processing like core unit out of an HK unit and put it into a, a protocol droid, which has been done in Star Wars already. So I'm not reinventing anything. And so I have all the vocabulary skills of a protocol droid because protocol droids are used for negotiations, right? Charming, talking to people, um, translating different languages. But my character is actually an assassin. So the whole idea is that he's a uh, um, what you would call a charmer class, which is basically a class where you have mechanics such as don't shoot, where you can just be like um, in the middle of a fight, be like, don't shoot, don't shoot. And it's a it's a roll chance where basically you can just um, remove yourself from combat. And there's other ones. There's uh, there's don't shoot and there's um, just kidding. And just kidding is like if you say something that doesn't go right, you can take it back. So <laughs> basically the way I'm going to be playing my protocol assassin droid is just have pistols, get as close to my target as possible while pretending that I'm useless like C-3PO and then just blasting people. <laughs> so I'm going to be like, oh, dear, the the action, this is so scary. And then I'll get close to the target and then be like, oh, what am I going to do? And then all of a sudden, boom, just shoot the guy dead. That's the kind of character I was going for. Yeah, I think Maghorn, maybe he was a little bit exaggerating, but I can understand what he's trying to say because if you take away the chance for open-ended roleplay, you do in some way limit it. But I just feel like for that kind of argument, you're basically arguing the difference between a video game and a game. You know, like D&D, the role-playing game, in a video game. Most of the time with a video game, people don't or haven't traditionally wanted to see rolling done. Feel free to show me an example lately, um, but a majority of RPGs do the stat configurations behind the scenes. Um, obviously, you can have your opinions about that, but that's largely how they've been doing it. And I can see why somebody, for example, who doesn't like uh, or who does like D&D wouldn't like that. It makes sense, but I guess I wasn't a D&D player back then, so it made... The funny thing is, is that because they did it like that, and this is going to kind of like be that little light bulb moment, um, maybe because they did it simplistic, that's why I got into it in the first place. So if anything, maybe it was better for them to do it that way because they got a fan that otherwise wouldn't have been a fan, you know? So I don't know. Just my my two cents on it. Getting darker in here. I might need to my blinds a bit. I accidentally opened, I keep doing this guy, like I'm going to show you guys what I opened up. I keep doing this on accident. I keep opening Zodiac Age on accident, so let me close this shit real quick. <laughs> that was not planned. <laughs> that game has good music, man. Uh, memories right there. I think we're defining roleplay differently, nerd. I mean it as an interaction between characters in the world not stats and dice yeah and that's kind of actually what i was trying to say is is that he's defining it differently than you you know no it's okay blue cool i understand like we have a lot of people here who are esl um so don't worry i understand what you're trying to say um in the sense that people have had problems with 3.5 period anyway so there's there's somewhere to start with that anyway but um the funny thing about 3.5 is wouldn't you agree that um 
largely the biggest complaint people had with it was it was com- too complex. So maybe Neverwinter um, could have done that necessarily better. But I think it, as you said, makes sense why. It does help some people to slowly introduce them into stuff like that. Lots of information all at once can be pretty overwhelming. Isn't it more immersive since it's all automated versus the downtime and rolling? There's some good arguments to make there. I used to make that same argument. It's funny you say that because I used to make that argument before I was a D&D player. My argument now is um, you're right in the sense that it is more immersive and that you don't have to necessarily do all these different activities that are just simulating action. Where it's different for me is the sheer amount of actions and possibilities that you have in D&D dwarf an RPG. And that's why it's just so hard um, when I talk to the tabletop fans at PAX Unplugged in Philly, that was basically their main point. Their main point was like, it's pretty hard to beat the level of customization and role play that D&D allows you. If a game like an MMO could, like say for example, people brought up examples like Star Wars Galaxies being that way at one point, um, then maybe they would return. Like they as in the tabletop fans and RPG fans would return to the MMO genre. But many of them had told me basically the MMO genre is too early. It's not where they want it to be yet. So that large part is why I got into D&D was having gone to that event and seeing it for myself. I was kind of like, huh, what does this all mean? And I've kind of realized um, it's a lot more deeply um, entrenched in MMO culture than I realized. And I I mean, D&D is and that sort of role play is. Some people like turn-based. More people in that era were open to a real-time with a pause option. Maybe that has shifted in modern times, but it was definitely not going to be mainstream back then. You can't derail a campaign on a PC game as hard as you can with tabletop to the point to where the DM has to make stuff up on the fly. Yeah, or like um, a week ago, we had a we had a um, a session where we avoided fighting everybody. Like he had organized multiple targets for us to fight. And somehow, like, he he was even confused how. We somehow managed to not fight any of the targets. So it was it was one of those playthroughs where after he asked us, our DM asked us, he was like, was that fun for you guys? Did you find that fun since we didn't really have any action? And sure enough, all of us were like, yeah, it was fun. It was fun that we could avoid the action, if that makes sense, versus just there not being any action. I like how they automated roles. They did that in BG as well. I do too. And I think that that's going to do BG a lot of good in the coming year. Because if we all have forgot at this point, Baldur's Gate 3 is not only coming out, it's supposed to be the next Neverwinter Nights. Right? That's basically how they've been selling it. How Larian Studios has been selling it. That They're saying we want this to be the Dungeons & Dragons game. Like, the one like Neverwinter Nights that creates the next spew of community servers and, you know, player-run servers and stuff like that. And obviously there's basically no information that I know of at the moment with Baldur's Gate 3, unless any of you guys have seen anything, but I'm excited because Larian's, Larian's the one, right? They're definitely the one to do it right, I think. They've tried to sell a lot of the games that way, though. It'd be great, but my skeptical hat is on. Larian has? Or you mean just developers in general? Because I guess developers in general, I can understand that. But I wasn't sure if Larian had said that before with uh, Divinity. Because I know they tried. They had a bit of a DM system, right? Um, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't like a DM in the sense where you can just join and uh, you can just join and then just start affecting the game. It's more like 
you can join and leave the game whenever you want, which I think is an awesome part of Divinity, but it's not quite the same as being a DM, dropping into a game, changing how the game plays. But I think you can make your own uh, campaign and be a DM in uh, Divinity. It's just not... I don't think you have nearly as much control as you did in Neverwinter Nights 1. Just in general, Sword Coast Legends, for example. Gotcha. Huh. I don't even know if I've even heard of that before. Yeah, I just looked it up now for the first time. That came out in 2015. That was published by Digital Extremes and developed by Digital Extremes. Well, I think there might be a an easily identifiable reason as to maybe why they weren't the best ones suited to do it. They don't necessarily have a big lineage in RPGs, and from looking at the screenshots here, yeah, I, don't, I think let's put it this way: I think Larian will be uh, certainly better off than um, Sword Coast Legends was. This looks like it was made for a console. Yeah, it did have a DM mode. Look at that; you could organize like roadblocks and stuff. I hope this is what they're going for. If this is what they're going for, I think they can succeed at it. I think it's what they tried to do with Divinity. And I think they realized because the game wasn't built that way originally, they had a hard time doing it. So maybe now that they can go in with well, Dungeons and Dragons backing them, they can just straight up go for the DM uh, mode. I can't wait. I'd love for there to be a DM mode. How awesome would it be if we could have weekly um, campaigns and stream them? It doesn't look bad, but it looks pretty forgettable to me. Looks pretty generic. Inspired by want to be the next... Yeah, yeah, no, it is. Saying you want to be the next Neverwinter Nights is definitely advertised. Where I was being... Um, where I was building the hype with uh, Larian's... Battle, uh, sorry, Battle Gear. Um, Baldur's Gate 3 was because it's Larian, basically. If it was anybody else, I'm, I think I'm right along with you. Like, eh, whatever, but Larian said it. I'm like, all right, we'll see. Because you guys made a damn good RPG. Probably one of the best of the decade. At this point, if you're not one of the ones to do it, who the hell is, right? I play 5th edition at the moment, so I guess I'm not the one to talk to about that. Um, I want to get into our little know weekly roundtable topic right now though we're reaching about hour 40 minutes into the podcast so it's about that time i have two more things i'll get to before the podcast end but i'll get to those after um just because when it comes to the roundtable people are waiting in chat and i don't want to have them waiting too long so let's see what's up guys hello all righty so let's get into it then um, I'll repeat the question and then one of you guys can go first because I'll probably go last. But uh, it's um, is sectioning off gameplay. Well, first, let me start off by saying this is the MMO roundtable discussion, our weekly chat where hopefully, depending on who shows up, we get a variety of, opin uh, of opinions from, um, you know, a variety of people and we disagree, agree, and sometimes just um, really ponder certain questions that maybe you've thought in chat um, or we've personally thought about and the week uh, each week has a new question and each week has a new discussion following the question and this week's um, question and discussion is 
it's a little bit nuanced, but I have some, I can break it down more if I need to, basically. So if you guys have any questions, just let me know. But it's, is sectioning off gameplay, say for example, player versus environment, player versus player, role play, crafting, ultimately problematic? What are your thoughts on a developer or a publisher doing it in their MMO? And, you know, positive or negative, essentially. What are your thoughts on it? And to explain a little bit more, as I said at the top, a good portion of current MMOs and current uh, Morpages uh, don't really combine the two together, right? They, they either have PvP, PvE, and then maybe sometimes there's a little bit of overlap. In the more extreme cases, as somebody brought up in chat, um, Guild Wars 2 is a more extreme case where it's like, here's PvP, then here's PvE, like almost completely separate. Um, that might be a little bit extreme. Not, not all of them do that. In fact, I think only a couple of them uh, do something like that. But they don't really combine the two gameplays together in the way that Warhammer Online did, for example, uh, with RVR Lakes or how Dark Age of Camelot did with Frontier uh, Zones. And there's many other examples. But who wants to start? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm grabbing a little file. It's okay. So yeah, um, for those of you that, uh, of course, like uh, you know, try to well, try to see for the be active and get to those junior detective ranks, so you can uh, join on the, the talks because we had a quite a lot of debate on the Discord already on this topic. So that was great, and as a result of that, I wrote for myself up a little bit of a piece, which people got a little bit annoyed with because it was very big copy pasta. Well, I'm in the personal opinion that uh, I think that it should be combined and not sectioned off. And the reason being is that in a MMO, you're trying to create a world. And if you try to create a world, there is, by the nature of it, there's going to be conflict in it. Because we, as players, are playing it, we're playing it from our perspective. And well, you know, if you look around at, your, at the day you just had or you're going to have you're going to be competing with people. And competition in PvP comes forth in many shapes and forms. And of course, there is going to be certain risks and rewards uh, attached to that. The problem for a lot of players uh, looking at this, of course, is that there's a very common conception that you have the PvE Care Bears and the PvP Grievers. So you got the PvEers that absolutely want nothing to do with PvP. And you got the PvPers that apparently they're all grievers and they're all evil. <laughs> like, if you look at it, like that's how a lot of the discussion goes around it. Now, in my personal experience in playing MOs, and of course, World of Warcraft is another great example, but for me, EVE Online was a really great example, is those are really very small groups. And those are also the groups that are probably the least valuable to an MMO community overall. Because a lot of people will just be playing around with the games and they will probably be partaking in both things uh, in some degree or another, or at least be aware of it and know how to deal with it. So they know how to deal with the risks. And another comment a lot of people made is like, yeah, the, if the... PvE players, they need to pay attacks to keep themselves safe, for example, and they're with mercenaries. And I always counter that was like, in general, the PvE content is built in such a way that it's the way that you 
generate resource. Generally, PvP is a relatively costly endeavor and it's high risk and it's very hard to be net positive uh, as a PvPer. So to say that it's unfair to a PvE or that like they need to have, you know, take a certain risk or take a lower reward in order to be more safe, I don't think is really unfair because, well, you know, you're already making a lot more than I will ever make as a PvPer. And now you've got a choice. You can either play smartly, you know, what, how we work, you know, how you work, and you can probably get around us and maybe stay safe. Or you can just say, like, I'm going to hire some PvPers to protect myself, and you move on from there. In the end, like, as I put it on that thing as well, is it boils down to risk-reward. Lower the reward of what you do, lower the risks, so the risk should never be zero. And the higher risks, the higher the rewards, which is why perhaps you'll need those 20 PvP-focused players to keep your... 20 PvE focus players safe when they focus on this really tricky objective to complete or just out there gathering resources for your group as a whole which needs to succeed. Which also requires that things like gathering be group focused and not individual focused, which is the case in many MMOs. So that's where the final note is like, an MMO should be a game you play as a group and should be balanced and designed around this. This means you're not just out there for your own gains, but for your group gains. And in my relatively long experience in playing them, PvP players tend to be very keen on this idea. They know they need numbers. They know they need to work together in order to succeed. And that also shows in how they treat their fellow PvP players. Like they're, in my experience, a lot more generous than most PvE players are, which a lot of PvE players I find were relatively selfish and focused very much on their own gains. However, the groups that can combine both of those and they're all working towards the same common goal, they will come out ahead. And I think in the end, that will create the most interesting uh, of MMOs. My turn? Yes. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to disagree uh, vastly with Card here. I don't think inherently MMOs need to create a world, a living world that completely reflects our own, which also means that you don't necessarily need PvP. You can make a game that doesn't have that interaction. Now, to answer the um, overall question, yes, something is of course lost there. there. There's an aspect of the game, there's an aspect of how the world feels, but that is lost. But ultimately, you can still have a great game if you make all the content PvE and you make that PvE good enough. Um, equally so that um, no, that wasn't the point. No, uh, but um, and there's also something gained from sectioning it off because uh, it's like I think most people also do like open world uh, PvP to some extent, but it can also become very frustrating. It can become very unbalanced, as we see in a lot of MMOs with open world PvP that. Like people end up creating huge blobs that you just can't do anything against, and at that point, the PvP is sort of just meaningless. It's either die or just flee. At which point, not the most interesting aspect of the game. Um, I think that's where sectioning it off can have certain um, 
positive effect uh, effects um simply because you uh, you you create something that is at least a bit more balanced <laughs> at least the number skill can still vary very much uh, I think also sectioning it off, you also end up being capable of creating certain scenarios that you can't entirely do in the open world, be it some kind of special siege or something, or a special scenario, special map, anything like that, special mechanics that you can't exactly replicate in the open world. And I think there is something that can be gained from that. Uh, I would, however, say that it's very few MMOs who've managed to make anything really impressive in that regard. Yeah, I think that's it. Your turn, Macron. Isn't it frustrating when the two people who go before you hit on pretty much every single point that you were going to make? Like, yeah, the only thing that I would add to both of what they said is that I think that having the uh, systems all integrated should be something that players opt into. Like, If you don't want to do the PvP, then you can go onto a server that has everything segregated and you have the option of doing it when you want to, rather than just having it happen as a natural um, interaction with everybody else in the server. Man. That's a, that's pretty much all I got. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I want to table that almost, because I feel like we can have that discussion when we talk about, should we allow for servers to have specific rule sets, or should we just do a mega server? I feel like that's also a discussion you can have that's related to that. Because, um, man... This is one of those things where I can see where cards coming from and Limpulse is coming from. And I knew I was going to have to be the edgy guy and kind of split the hairs in between. And what I mean is, is like, ultimately, I want to make it, uh, my opinion, abundantly clear. Even though I prefer sandbox games, I also have fun playing theme park games. And, and to be more specific, although I have fun playing sandbox MMOs, and that's my favorite kind of MMO, I've had a good amount of enjoyment playing theme park MMOs like Warhammer Online. And I've talked about that before. But that being said, um, I like to keep those two separate. So if we're talking about a theme park MMO, then I'm going to make the argument that it's better to keep them separate because I've seen so many instances where problems arise because you don't keep them separate, where PvP balance, for example, is looked at as an afterthought because your game doesn't focus on PvP. But then it basically makes it to where because it doesn't, when you do PvP, you can't really PvP because it's not balanced at all. And so sometimes I can understand that. For example, if your game is focused, as Limpos said, on having a, like, I'm going to use some buzzwords, but a fun, exciting, you know, uh, group experience, right? If you're trying to have something like that, then, I mean, I don't know. I, th I think that ultimately this is a question that could be best answered with if it's a theme park game it's okay to sectionalize them because the game is kind of already designed like that anyway if that makes sense um versus a sandbox game if you start sectionalizing things in a sandbox game it starts to feel like you're taking things away from the world that's how it feels for me so it's like to to have a game that's trying to be open-ended sandbox players are creating the majority of the content and that game to answer the question of and let me pull it up again um if i see that as being problematic to section off gameplay in a sandbox game i do and the simple reason is because as card was sort of um highlighting early on is that if you're trying to create a world the world in, uh, interacts with each other regardless right so it's like if i create a world and there's people on the world and they all have tasks and they're doing things right there's activities in the game People are interacting with each other maybe just 
by chance, right? Just because that's kind of how the game's built. So maybe a PvE-er meets a crafter and gets them to craft something for PvE. But maybe a PvP-er also meets the same crafter and gets them to craft something for PvP. Maybe that PvE-er then meets the PvP-er and, and maybe they have a conversation about, hey, let's go do some PvE content or PvP content. In a sandbox game, you wouldn't necessarily say that. You'd be doing both most of the time anyway. Um, so say, for example, if I went to go get resources in a certain zone um, that are very valuable, in a sandbox game, most of the time, I'm also going to be PvPing because those resources are valuable, so I'm competing for those resources. Where it's problematic for me is in a theme park game, if you're trying to have, for example, a conducive or let's just say you're trying to have a fun and repeatable form of like PvP content in your game, if it's a theme park game, and you've sectionalized it off, it's not like you can come back to it later on and somehow make it more open-ended. So like that, I think that's the ultimate problem, is if you do section it off, it's kind of hard to open it back up, if that makes sense. And I mean, there's a couple of examples of this, but it, it's just ultimately, I think it's, it's, it's that simple. It's like if you're making a theme park game, you kind of have to section off your gameplay in a way, right? Otherwise, you're going to piss off different audiences. Like... Uh, Limpos again made the point that if you're trying to do a raid right or a dungeon and you want to have all the badass cutscenes, boss fights gear you name it right if another player can come up and attack me during the cutscene <laughs> I mean that's an extreme example but like you see how that would piss somebody off like immensely the idea that they could be killed while they're doing something else where they're not supposed to be pvp'd right so their mind sees it as very black and white oh i should just be able to consent there should never be a case where i'm pvp'd on accident or pvp'd because right except to go back into the sandbox thing that's kind of the purpose of a sandbox <laughs> is the whole like if someone attacks me what if someone steals my things i should make friends i should go join a guild i should do all these so ultimately um that's where i stand i don't know do you guys have anything else you want to add about that or should we uh, hop into some more uh, tidbits about this discussion because I can point it in another direction if we need to. I guess let's um, let's move on. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's let's read what chat said oh, a little wait. bit. Oh, no, no. Card was uh, writing that uh, there's a lot of fireworks going on, so um, I just wanted to say that uh, I do agree that um, if it is a sandbox MMO, I do think that you kind of need it PvP. Like that, that's that's almost integral to the game that you have to be able to um, attack other players in that regard. Because otherwise, you you end up with a very weird situation mm -hmm. where there is like you don't have really have competition or anything. It's like things that you sort of you're you're oh, not apathetic, but it's like you you just don't have any action over the actual world that is supposed to be a sandbox. So yeah, I would absolutely say there it makes sense. I do also think it can make sense in a um, theme park MMO that is still completely doable. Mm -hmm. um, you just you you just need to have certain um, restrictions on it uh, to ensure that people don't go crazy with it and uh, <laughs> absolutely ruins all the experiences like you're available to ruin some and i think a point we've made oftentimes when it comes to theme park mmos and pvp in general when it comes uh to sort of implement that in a meaningful way and that is simply just to have certain zones with certain materials or certain content 
or just anything that you just can't get anywhere else. But that's PvP souls. So you can be attacked. So you know that once you go in there, there is a risk of being killed. Like you're consenting in that way. And it's only for certain things. It's like, so usually it's like, yeah, it will be high tier and such, but you can maybe do without it to some extent. Um, so yeah, it's still possible. It, it, I, I was like, just to make that clear, I didn't say that uh, you have to segment it off for itself. Uh, you can still help open open world PvP in a uh, theme park MMO. So what you mean is sort of like um, in Star Wars The Old Republic, where they would have certain zones that were on the normal hubs that you could walk into, have both PvP and PvE questing available in there. Um, the heroic zones, I think they were? That you could just you know, just wander into and you know be alerted that you're suddenly flagged for PvP, but you can walk out and be fine. Yeah, those yeah, the sounds in uh, Sorithor. Yeah, I, think... I was going to say that it that, that certainly sounds like what I'm trying to uh, hint at. I don't know for certain because I didn't play that, so I'm I'm going to say yes with a big question mark at the end. Yeah, I think for like yeah, there's there always going to be the theme park versus the sandbox and of course i was i primarily talk from a sandbox perspective because i still believe that's the way an mmo should be made and can best be made my main problem even if you look at theme park by sectioning things off is that you are always going to create an unfair advantage to one side or the other in the one place where there is always pvp and that's in the economy. Quite often, uh, at least in the games I have played, is that the people you know, focusing on PvE content is a heck of a lot more profitable than focusing on PvP content. And trying to keep those two completely balanced while also keeping the, it like optional or sectioned off or whatever is going to be a really, really tricky thing to uh, play around with. So that's something that I always kind of have an issue with. Now, of course, if you're in a raid, then you don't really expect your raid to be interrupted perhaps by uh, PVPers because you know, you're in the raid. However, uh, Refnar actually linked that uh, great video. It's like Eve has its own forms of raid, which are like in a special section of space, but anybody else can still enter it. So yeah, you can actually be attacked while you're conducting a raid, which can make things very, very interesting. And that creates a certain additional level of challenge and awareness through uh, things. That's why I said at that point, you're looking at like, oh, you know, maybe I need that combination of PVE and PVP players and we all share the gains from it because, well, we're all doing our part. It's like you're saying that like you need PvP because otherwise you can't uh, touch the economy. I'm saying if you section it off, it's going to be really hard to balance because the economy is always going to be, you know, trading auction houses. No matter how you do it, it's always going to be the ultimate PvP arena in any game. Even if, even on the World of Warcraft PvE server, and there is like 
you know, current life and there's nowhere anywhere PvP unless you consent to it, you're still PvP on the auction house. He's not wrong. Yeah, but I'm... Okay. It's like, I'm not entirely sure what to say to that because it's like, I, it's a bit of a different mechanic <laughs> uh, that's sort of hard to um, address, especially, be, I think, especially because I, you use uh, Eve as an example, which has an economy that sort of also ties into the rest of the game. Whereas something like uh, a lot of theme park MMOs, that's not entirely the case. Like, you can buy gear sometimes, like buy some of the high-end gear. So yes, there is a certain element in being capable of uh, making a lot of money. But the rest of the time, it's sort of not anything. It's like you're not winning the game by making right. money. Uh, so it's sort of, I would say you're right uh, in that regard if there is something for that economy. If there, if there is some intrinsic way that you can... Uh, affect your gameplay within the world, then yes. Then then an auction house well, can. is sort of a um, PvP scenario to some I extent. Mean, in World of Warcraft, people sell uh, you raid boosts with all of the loot for gold, and that's completely allowed. So yeah, yeah. if I am successful in my market PvP, I can get my character geared up really, really quickly and gain a substantial advantage over somebody in that way. So that's why it's like, it's not always the most direct thing, but generally the economy is always going to be at the core of, you know, a world that you create in one way or the other. Yeah, but what I was saying is, is, is how much it's sort of, how much you're capable of affecting the world. Because if you're on a WoW PV, uh, PVE server, and you have raid gear, or you buy your way to gear, you're not really winning against any. I was going to make that point too because I remember you've made that point before. Um, and you can't buy the best gear because it's still going to be soul bound. Oh well, Cart uh, did uh, mention that uh, it's like buying your way into raid and buying the gear in that way. Essentially, it's like so you just get it, um, which is a way. You can only in WoW. You can only really buy your way into the lowest tier raids, and you have to work your way up. Yeah, I guess that is somewhat true. That's like it's it's not exactly the current tier that you're so that you're going to be able to buy into. At least it, it depends how uh, long time there is between the tiers. I would say is uh, <laughs> the the more important aspect in that regard because. If it's a really long tier, then yeah, it's like you are going at some point be able to buy your way in because they've basically kitted out their entire guild. So now we're just gonna run people through it and sell it. I think the the hardest part about having this discussion, I think card got out of the way right away. Um, and it's just like someone in chat mentioned it as well. If if your game is a game that has PvP that's integrated into your other aspects of your game. I feel like you have to do a good job of explaining that. And I feel like that's something that sandbox games kind of have done poorly where, I mean, we just know sandbox games have done a poor job, period, and educating you on what the hell to do, period, anyway. But just in, in that case as well, it's like you'll have people get into a game, get killed, and be like, wait a minute, I can draw my shit? Or wait a minute, there's PvP over in this zone? 
a lot of it for some people certainly is like expectation them knowing what they're getting into like you know multiple uh of you guys have brought up the point of having a zone that's a pvp zone so people know what they're getting into when they go into it the interesting thing i find and this is not necessarily an argument it's just a point that i wanted to make is that no matter what you do there's always going to be people who don't like pvp it's, it's just i mean it's just a facet of life like to, to bring it back to martial arts not that many people train martial arts. It's a very small percentage of people. And why is that? There's many reasons, I'm sure. But I bet you a good reason is because it's difficult or they think it's difficult, right? The perceived difficultness. So that they don't want to have to deal with such a thing because it's me versus another person where potentially I could lose. And that's just human nature. So, like, I guess that's another part that we're dealing with here is what I'm trying to say is, is like, sometimes the human nature is also what you're fighting against. So you're not trying to say this is wrong so take it out it's more that if my game has open world pvp just saying that it does and being open about that isn't enough to not make people still complain about it to make people not complain about it is make it not exploitable and i think that's the main thing is like whenever you bring up pvp as an argument just period people always point to the worst examples it's it's like the only examples that exist are the straw man ones so it's like oh well pvp look at these guys they're angry and they hate everyone and it's like okay well fair enough I guess there's no reason not to hate everyone in that game. So I think to, to go back to what we're saying, if you're going to make a game that has PVP um, involved in it on a core level, like a sandbox game, right? We were talking about, I still think no matter what, no matter how nice you are about it, you're always going to piss people off. So I think mortal uh, progeny is the one that made the point that you kind of do have to put your stick in the, in the ground, like your flag, right? You got to plant your flag at some point and be like, all right, this is what my game is or isn't. Yeah, I think that's a good point when it comes to PvP. And I, it, it was actually a thought that I did have in regards to this conversation. And it's like sort of if it's uh, problematic. I think to some extent it is. Because we've spent so many years at this point with so many MMOs that have done exactly that. Sectioned it mm -hmm. off, mostly. And that has, sort, that has essentially sort of further, for, uh, further cemented the sort of uh, exactly. gap that there is between PvP and PvE players. And I think that's, again, that's sort of hurtful in a multiple, um, multiple ways. Because one, yeah, PvEers don't suddenly want PvPers back. But secondly, I think it's also made PvP, uh, PvP players just even worse. It's like they've sectioned themselves off more and more and more. And if you finally do give them access to a game where it's like, oh man, there's so many sheeps here. Let's just slaughter them en masse and just continue until there is no PvP, PvE players left. And you're just like, well, guess, guess we're going to, we're going back to whatever it was we played before. Um, I've, and that I do think is somewhat problematic uh, that we haven't really had a good MMO that had uh, a fair a fair share of um, PvP uh, or a mixture of PV, PvE and PvP uh, because it sort of made people forget and it's made PvP players really angry or <laughs> just insufferable in their ways and it's like if you, you give them a chance back in they're gonna ruin it for themselves and others. Um, what the heck was the other point I wanted to make? Because I've talked so much now that I forgot it. So next person. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I also addressed it um, in the chat. Uh, so it's like, one of the things if you have PvP in games is, you know, and 
in general, like we talk about it a lot, is consequences. If you, especially if you talk about grieving PvP, which I don't really consider PvP because most griefers don't want to PvP. They want to run away from actual fight. Is if your game doesn't have the proper systems in place to deal with um, grieving and giving people uh, education and how things work and what they can do, then yes, probably it's going to go wrong. It, it takes some luck for things not to go wrong if you don't have, sorry, such kinds of systems in place. Because yeah, there are going to be a subset of people that will ruin it. And that same subset of people is going to be really annoyed when there are going to be serious consequences to doing certain things. Like, you know, oh, you're killing somebody in the middle of this town. There's going to be a serious consequence to it. While as if you kill somebody in the middle of nowhere, probably nobody will notice. So there's not really going to be a consequence to it. You know, those are very simple, basic uh, differences in there. But they do give you a bit of a feeling of what is needed for... Uh, people also to feel safe like one of the other things is if uh, a pvp if a pve player gets attacked they want uh some form of retribution you know they want to see something done now if you're being attacked in because you were running around with a load of gold in the middle of nowhere you're probably the one that screwed up at that point like the game should have told you that this is going to be dangerous, so you should you know, be aware of what you're doing. So if you're still doing it, you're a big fat mistake. However, if you get killed in the middle of a town, then you want the player that kills you to suffer, you know, dark consequences for that, because you should just not be able to get away with that, which is one of the things that uh, Eve Online is absolutely horrible at. And that's why a lot of players struggle massively when they play EVE Online, especially early on, because it's all up to you. The systems are there to punish, but they don't work, to put it very bluntly and simply, because that's what it comes down to. As for PvE players that absolutely never want to play PvP, you're going to have a small subset of that, you know, just like you have the PvP grievers. They don't want a PvP, they want to grieve. However, I have found that a lot of PvE players, if you show them the ropes, they actually enjoy a bit of PvP once in a while. You know, it's like, oh, this is something different. It changes up the gameplay a bit. I can do something else. And also it gives them confidence when they're playing the game because they learn how the PvP players are thinking. And if you know how the PvP player thinks, you can learn how to counter them so I can avoid them if I know like, oh, if I'm going there, there's chances that there's going to be people that are looking to jump on anybody and, you know, extract money from them for safety or whatever, or kill them. I need to be aware of that. I need to play around that. I've learned that now. So are you going to please everyone? Never. Can you please a good group of people that will make a very good and solid MMO community? Yes. And by doing that, as you know, when uh, you said, like, you need to put that flag in the ground, indeed. Say, this is what we are. This is how this game works. These are the rules. And this is how it's going to work. Which is why I am quite interested in seeing how that is developing with the whole prison system, for example, in Soul Citizen. It's like, if you do something there, 
and it's criminal. You're literally going to spend time in prison. Like, you need to get out of there again, and that will take guaranteed a certain amount of time. So, consequences. They are very important. Yeah. Um, in re uh, or just a short point, at least, to what Kart said about uh, like giving them a taste of PvP. And this is like, I think that's like that's what segmenting it off can really do really easily. <laughs> just a sort of a short point, uh, but mm -hmm. back to um, what I remembered. And it's like, and yeah, I think it, it's also. Um, sort of continuation of my previous point about the sort of um, segmenting between the two. I think it's also because a lot of the old MMOs just didn't do it. So you 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 basically couldn't imagine a world without it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, people come and kill me once in a while. It's like that that's how this game is. I think that's once they changed it and people sort of realized it's like, oh, oh I don't have to be killed sometimes. What an amazing game this suddenly has become. Um, even though I do think to some extent, I, I, I do think there's people who like, make it too much of a point. It's like they can, they can take the occasional killing. Like, I'm just thinking back to classic WoW, uh, like where I died maybe, I think, 10 times in total between 0 and 60. That's not a lot. That's, that's, that's bearable. And that's not the end. It's like, but to be fair, that's not a game where I can lose everything that I, uh, farm up and stuff like that. So the consequences aren't as big. Um, and also in regards to sandboxes, <laughs> a point the Nerdslayer made that sandboxes is like they're terrible at telling you what you should do. It's like, well, it's a sandbox game. They don't have to tell you what to do. <laughs> that's up for you to decide. I think that's true, but I think it's also a bit of a lazy thing that people say. You know, like they'll say like, oh, in a sandbox game, it just you can do anything. And I'm like, OK, what can you do? Well, anything okay like show me like one thing in the game you can do that like and why you do a quest and, it, and you're like oh i understand this <laughs> it's not actually a sandbox you just don't have any content <laughs> so I, I am critical of the of the the type where it's just like sandbox dropped off no uh guidance and i'm not saying you're advising that but that's where i think as you said having some sectionalized gameplay can actually be very helpful in that case right like um it's actually something funny that um, New World is trying to attempt, and it's a militia, right? This idea has been done before, but it's having a militia where people can join and not lose their stuff and still get access to PvP. So you're helping, you're protecting a town, but you're not actually, like, maybe losing all your things. And you're also, um, it's not your guild, and it's not just by yourself, so you're teamed up with other people. What Dark Age of Camelot did, like, I guess at this point, it's considered genius because three, you know, tri-realm PvP still exists. It's still very popular today. The thing that they did that was really smart was essentially when you pick a faction, that's your team. That's your team, right? There's flaws with that. But the, but the good thing about it is that you don't have to question what your team is. And that's the problem in sandbox games. A lot of the time you're like, if you don't have friends to go in, you're thinking, okay, who am I going to meet? Who are my friends? Like, how do I join a guild? And if the game doesn't have systems that help you meet other people or frankly speaking need to meet other people um in order to interact with them or play the game i think it does a poor job at that and i think i feel like that's a big part of it is finding ways to introduce players into pvp without having to give them the most 
um, harsh experience of it right away. So say, for example, if I have a full loot game and I don't want my player to experience full loot immediately, maybe for a newer player, I put a, a restriction on his account for the first 24 hours or 48 hours. This exists already, by the way, um, doesn't allow him to lose his items. Or maybe he has to opt into it. And, and once he does, his newbie protection expires. These things also exist already. Um, the point being is like, I can have a hardcore PvP game. For example, I have a great example for you guys today that I was going to talk about a bit. Um, I'm not going to say that their methods are working or will work. But I think it's interesting fuel for the fire. And it's about Darkfall. Darkfall, which has never had um, not... Uh, which has never not been full loot PvP, period. Um, has now transitioned with Rise of Aegon to being um, what most would be familiar with, which is uh, partial loot and full loot only in specific areas that are lawless. And so Darkfall has never made a change like that before. So this is like quite possibly one of the biggest changes we've seen PvP-wise. And it has a lot of the fans pissed, as you can imagine, because the only people still playing the game are the people who like full loot. <laughs> and so the point that I was going to make is is hilariously and sadly at the same time, the biggest problem with PvP games and PvP MMOs is that once they've launched, it's almost impossible to fix the game. Like what I'm trying to say is, is like depending on the style of game, if you built your game around being a full loot game and then all of a sudden 10 years later, you're like, all right, now there's yellow zones where you don't lose all your stuff. It's a good idea, but the sad truth is, is it doesn't matter if it's a good idea, because it probably won't work, and it won't work for two reasons in Darkfall. One, there's nothing else to do in the game except besides kill each other. So, yeah, it makes sense to have red players living out in red zones, but why would players live out in red zones when they already have, as Card is familiar with, all the money they need and all the resources they need? They're, they're not. <laughs> they're going to get as close to the yellow zones as possible to be able to get more PvP. And so that idea makes sense when you're coming out the gate and when you have enough players to make it work, right? And, th and that's when you kind of realize a lot of PvP problems simply arise because player, there's not enough players, or they've waited too long. And so if you have no reason for players to be out in your world and you've taken away reasons for players to be out in your world, it's probably not going to fix your problems. Yeah, in regards to sandbox MMOs and sort of uh, sort of lack of uh, content and stuff like that, and also and also knowing who's your friends and such, I actually think it's a great way to or a great idea to just look at something like uh, all the survival um, server games because those have those intrinsic problems as well. It's like it's really really tough knowing who you can trust. It's like you just have no idea whatsoever everyone could be out to kill you um it's actually something that's true for even more than just that it's like i'm trying because i just remembered something like um gta 5 online which yeah okay that's a <laughs> not the best example but still it's like everyone in that game can just be out to kill you and it's like you just never know and that's where having teams at least have an inkling uh, uh, to give you an idea of who's not exactly going to stab you in the back, um, which uh, what's what's the police versus robbers game? Uh, the one that's being remade. You're talking about uh, cops and crooks from uh, GTA? No, 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 no. Uh, the uh, the other game, the one that's uh, been bought back up and all points bulletin. To... Ah, 
wait, is that the one? Yeah, APB, the one that they're transitioning. APB. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, APB. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard the full name of that game. <laughs> Not a thing about it. Uh, but yeah, that one at least has teams. I think it does. Like police are police. Yeah, it has guilds and, and it has factions. So there's a cop faction, criminal faction, and then there's guilds on top of that. Yeah. Which I think that game it's like I still think that game has a lot of potential if it could be done right because it's like you do actually have teams with two different goals, which is it's like something we don't entirely see that much. It's like at least not on that level, not on a free level. Like we we see it in shooters and all sorts of other multiplayer games, but having distinct third uh, party objectives that you have to sort of. It's like either, it's like in the case of APB, it's stealing, and then one team who sort of has to survey you and it's like make sure you don't steal, but can only do so if you actually steal. That's an interesting aspect that uh, would be an interesting idea for an MMO, come to think of it. Just not sure how that would work out, but uh, that's besides uh, the point. I could actually think of a few ways to realize that potential. It just would take a lot of work. And I think um to to put a bow on everything, it seems like pretty much um although we've definitely disagreed on maybe some finer points, it seems like largely um here we've had the agreement that ultimately uh it depends, right? <laughs> it, it depends. I I hate when that's the the answer, but it was more detailed than that, but it, it just does depend. I mean, at the end of the day, it does depend. Um, I think there's been a lot of good arguments brought up for which one is maybe better for making money, which one's better for the consumer or better for content. Uh, should you allow these players to mingle together or not? Why or why not? And ultimately, I think we'll see both of these being done right in the future. Like these both both of these styles will continue to be uh, attempted where it's more interesting, I think, at least at the moment in terms of history, is how is that going to affect the PvP realm? Because obviously there's a good amount of Kickstarter MMOs that are focusing on PvP. So I guess we'll see um, what that, uh, I guess, shakes out to. Because I, when it comes to PvP, I'd probably say when it comes to MMOs doing it right, I'm not very optimistic oftentimes. And I feel like it's just no. primarily because they don't, make it their game it's just thrown on to their game like you know it's just like oh you can also kill people or or yeah and oh and also you can kill another player it doesn't feel as if there's a reason for it you know like it, something is just different about being out in a zone and having to make a decision on your own should i attack this player this player group or not and having to make that cost benefit analysis of being like is this worth it should i lose my stuff and although, of course, there's PvE players who've maybe never experienced something like that, I will agree with Card and say that I've actually had a lot of fun playing with people who aren't PvPers while PvPing. I'm not going to sit here and say that that's not also frustrating. It absolutely is. It can be frustrating because just like when anybody's new at something, a lot of um, the, the learning process for them can be frustration. Um, where I think um, you can kind of fix some of that is new player experience. And what are MMOs like? I don't know. My opinion, what are MMOs worse at than maybe anything else? It's probably having shitty uh, new player experiences. So maybe if you can make the transition into the game that much smoother, 
it'll be easier for players to transition from being maybe a player versus environment player into being a player versus player uh, type of player. You actually mentioned something that's quite interesting, and that is that a lot of the Kickstarter MMOs that are going to come out, it's like at least three of them, Crowfall, Ashes of Creation, and uh, Dark Age, no, not Dark Age of Camelot, Camelot Unchained, all of them are PvP, which actually has me a bit worried because that's a lot of that's a lot of PvP MMOs, and it's like if that ends up sort of uh, splitting the market, it's like that could end up with three failures instead of uh, just one PvP MMO making it. That's a bit worrying. Come to think of it, to me the whole point of like uh, PvP focus, PvP focus, it's like you need kind of both. And that's what I've been trying to uh, argue also quite a lot on these things. It's like you want a good focus on both PvE and PvP. You need both those player bases and create a balancing uh, act between them because then you really have the world and the reasoning to fight uh, over all of these things. Because if it's just pure PvP and not enough PvE, it's starts to lose out it starts to peter out a bit i always find but we'll have to see like i'm not too much in depth so well. i hope they will do well and uh, i guess uh, once they launch we can tell yeah i think um to to put the uh cherry on top of it all um since i feel like we've definitely it's a good question that leads into a number of other questions. So I probably know what our next question is going to be because I think Maghorn brought up the point about uh, server rule sets. And I think that that's pretty much related to this because it, it large part defines, do you need to go hardcore out the gate? If your game's just a mega server, for example, you do, right? In a way, or at least in some way you have to versus having to um, have a specific server that might, for example, have a rule set like uh, Ultima Online had shards and maybe one shard has full loot, but maybe another doesn't. And so like, um, there's also conversations uh, that come into play like that. And in fact, recently, like um, Limpos was saying, Crowfall is attempting to do just that, in fact. Um, you can add loot into Crowfall. You can change the rule sets of the game. It's, it's sort of like a lobby game where you can actually affect the server infrastructure right like you can change the um the rules you can change the cycle how long the campaign lasts like i think crowfall has a good chance to kind of show the strengths of doing such a thing but i am obviously just overall as i always am when it comes to pvp mmos i'm always just worried about execution because it, it's not hard to make a fun pvp game i think it's hard to make one that lasts <laughs> Um, and obviously my evidence is just look at the market um, look at what currently is played and what has been played for a long time of course there's pvp games that have audiences but i mean we just need to look at the big five to know what the most common way to play a game is at least at the moment uh maghorn did you want to have one last thing to say uh no i'm just when we get on to the next point okay uh so actually i think um that's probably it. Uh, the Darkfall thing that I was going to get to and mention, pretty much already mentioned it. They have yellow zones. Um, I'll pull up a map of it to show you how they've changed the game 
which is just interesting because it's like here's somebody trying to fix it basically after it was already too big of an issue um which kind of already tells you what you need to know which is it's too late um but still it it opens up the idea of is this the way to do it right darkfall this game that used to just be no holds bar full loot everywhere has now decided mm, maybe we should make the main continent primarily yellow zones where you can drop your things but only the things that you're carrying in your inventory like an uh, Ashron's call versus darkfall or ultima where you're dropping everything including your paper doll or sorry paper doll isn't a word anybody uses anymore your avatar <laughs> um i i don't i don't think i have anything more for you guys though so i'll probably just say goodbye to you guys thanks for joining me today on the round table and next week i i want to have another point to go into after we talk about the server stuff if you guys will be joining me or whoever will be joining me so we can have another place to pivot to because when we don't disagree sometimes it definitely does make it like a shorter chat which i'm okay with today I'm like, yay, I finally have an, a, a shorter podcast. <laughs> but um, people in chat no, ask me no. a lot. In fact, they asked me in the comments, if you guys were wondering, they asked me, oh, why can't we do more calls? So I think people like doing the calls. That's the part that they enjoy. It's just um, making it to well, where I we have a topic that, we're, that we pick and stick to and not just going all over the place like we can do. Well, let's be honest. They like me. <laughs> all these all these other guys they're just here to sort of uphold me I shall just serve from you next time not to worry <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I mean uh, it was a great chat again and uh, as always like uh, for all our detectives uh, and those that are trying to achieve it uh, don't be afraid to join us like uh, if there are more people aren't we'll just make place yeah, we don't bite. I do. He does, so he's not welcome anymore. <laughs> Aww. I mean, if they bite, we'll just ban them. <laughs> is it uh, goodbye time? Yes, it is. Okay, goodbye then. Uh, see you, Limpos, Card, and Maghorn. Thanks for joining me again. Everybody thank them for stopping by. See you, Randall. Bye-bye. All right, so we know what next week's discussion is going to be. It's going to be about servers, about what level of customization should you have over a server in an MMO? Should it just be a mega server, one size fits all? Should it be PvP server, PvE server, RP server, RP PvP server, maybe some more pseudo rule sets in between? Or should it be um, up to the player? Maybe the player could make their own server, or players could vote on a server and say, well, we want this server to be this. I don't know, just there's a multitude of options of how to handle rule sets. And um, while I personally am just fine with an, a mega server that has full loot, I know not everybody is. So if somebody's trying to make a game that appeals to more than just the full loot crowd, you'd have to make a game that's either more about combat um, or maybe has other ways to experience the con content without having to lose all your stuff. Kind of like what we've been talking about already with sectionalizing things. Um, one point that I did want to make, a little bit of a rant even, is that sectionalizing off gameplay so it's easier for people to digest is actually what you do when you're learning a martial art. So you guys know it's not a podcast if I don't talk about martial arts. Um, 
when you're learning a martial art, boxing, I don't know, wrestling, jujitsu, judo, sambo, uh, you name it, right? Whatever martial art you can think of, Muay Thai, uh, karate, taekwondo. When you're doing a martial art, when you're like, imagine you walk into a gym and it's your first day of class. And then like you walk into the class and you're just like, all right. And the first thing that happens is someone just like blasts you in the stomach and you're just like, oh, oh. And you're like, you're looking around like, is anyone going to do anything about this? This guy just hit me in the stomach. And you're just like, you're like. And meanwhile, other people are looking at you like, dude, you knew what to expect when you came in. Right. And you're like, but I didn't expect to just get hit like randomly and attacked without necessarily knowing. Right. Wouldn't you agree that most people who engage in a PvP instance probably are not necessarily aware of it? So I like to think about it as like a, almost a one-to-one -one comparison because like I said, it, if you just walked into a gym and the first day they were just blasting you in the stomach or just like blasting you in the face, you'd probably be like, this is too intense for me, right? But what if when you came in, you just practiced uh, punching the air, right? You just sat there and you're just... And you're just practicing punching the air. Maybe it won't be so much fun, but maybe you hit a bag and now you're having fun. You're like, man, this is fun, right? I want a PvP. Then you get into an actual sparring match and the other guy's just trying to knock your head off. Now you don't really want to do it anymore, right? Now you're like, ugh. Like a... it's, it has to do a lot with expectations and it also has a lot to do with uh, easing people into it, you know? When I want like a friend or somebody to join martial arts, I don't tell them, hey man, go into class, start sparring and fight like full on with people. I would never advise that, right? What I would advise is, hey, find a place near you, go do a trial class, watch first if you're, if you're nervous, just watch. Then do a class and take your time, you know? Maybe start one class a week and then just slowly build up, right? That's what I would say. Maybe start sparring after you've had a month or two to just practice the basic movements. Um, a lot of that doesn't happen in MMOs, right? And essentially the, the reasoning is, is because basically all you're doing is competing, all you're doing is combat. It's kind of like you're walking into the gym and all everybody in that gym is doing is just killing each other, right? It'd be, like, I know, like, obviously that the analogy doesn't make sense in that sense, but you get what I'm trying to say, right? If you just walked into a gym and everybody was trying to kill each other, you'd probably be like, I'm out of here, right? Because you want to feel like at least I have some connectiveness with some people or there's rules in a system or it's not just chaos, right? You don't want to walk into a scenario and you're like, oh, there's fun to be had today. And you just realize it's just everything is everywhere. You, you want some level of guidance, right? You want to be like, okay, punch here, kick there. And I think more things like that need to be done with PvP. Uh, developers need to do a better job of letting players um, ease themselves into things like that, right? Player versus player environments. And also giving players incentives to help other players. In a full loot game, the reason or incentive for someone to help you is they're extremely helpful resource-wise. So in a way that somebody might say, oh, Joe Blow is a Care Bear who hates PvPing, I could look at Joe Blow and say, well, actually, he's not a Care Bear because, or sorry, he might be a Care Bear because he doesn't like to PvP, but he doesn't like to PvP himself. He likes PvP, but maybe he doesn't want to do it himself. Maybe he could be a coach. Maybe he could give you some supplies, be a crafter, right? 
there's other things to do than being the only competitor, right? Not everybody's a competitor who practices. Yeah, games need to clear that up right away. You cannot just lean on the community to handle that. And I've seen communities do great jobs of handling it. Having newbie academies, doing uh, dual runs, practicing like little engagements and having pseudo like um, engagements where you basically fight each other, like group PvP amongst each other. I've seen things like this happen before and players have been the driving forces for those things. They've nearly always resulted, in my experience, in positive outcomes. The problem is, is that you're putting, as Card said in a way, too much of a burden on me, the player, to make that happen. You got to give me more tools in the game. And that's why, like, um, I like to talk about Asheron's calls. Uh, although it was flawed in ways, I like to talk about its mentor system, its vassal system. Because at least there's a point of me going around, meeting new players and helping them. Because they can also give me experience, right? They can help me progress as a player. Maybe you have a game like Darkfall did uh, originally where when you load into the game, and, and I don't know why they haven't done this since, by the way. It seems like a silly thing that they haven't picked up again. But what they used to do is you were invited to a guild immediately when you joined the game. And it was basically a newbie guild. Everybody was invited to it. So in this newbie guild, other big guilds protected you because you were a newbie guild. But if you were, I don't know, maybe not so newbie, you left and went to another guild. Or um, if you were being killed as a newbie guild, you just had to ask for help because people knew that your guild was the noob guild. So everybody would help, right? Um, that That's one way to do it, right? At least give you something. And the militia idea that I mentioned with the settlements and um, New World is another idea like that. There just has to be more ways to get people involved without making it so much about them not being good enough, you know? Because, yeah, sometimes you lose because you're not good enough. Sometimes you lose just because of a whole other slew of factors, right? It's not just because you suck. And I think that's the most visceral thing that happens when a player PvPs for the first time and it's not fun. They're just like, damn, I suck. And so therefore I'm just, I just suck and that's just how it is. Doing it right requires active people. No NPC or quest chain in an MMO is going to adequately prepare you for real PvP with a developed meta and tactics and all that. The funny thing is, is Guild Wars 1 had PvP tutorials with the NPCs, and I think they worked pretty effectively. So maybe it depends on the game, but I see your point. No matter how good your tutorial is, an experienced player is going to curb stop you if the system isn't bad. And after a while, MMOs turn into experienced players being the vast majority, and new players maybe trickle in sometimes. Right, and so that's why you need a funnel, right? You need, like, the new players are coming in, and they're also rising to the top. If it's just new players are coming in and they're only feeding the top, you're going to have a lot of angry new players who are going to quit, basically, right? I always wondered why games didn't do that or have a city-based NPC guild that you started in. Well, Adric, <laughs> the city-based guild is a, an idea I've had, actually, and I've wanted to do in a game, personally, is a big way to solve this, in my personal opinion, is have more interaction with the NPCs. So you can actually make NPCs more viable in a way, right? Because they can teach you things. Because do NPCs not against other players of course they do that's kind of the purpose of them so what if those players could help you in pvp or teach you pvp or maybe even just help you feel a part of something so you can have pvp even if it's just against other npc factions and the spare player every now and then sort of like dynasty warriors you need to explain the rules and explain things properly in the end you will learn by doing and the key is to having an understanding that there is pvp and how it works and what the rules are around it card 
that it's funny you say that because I've been lately jujitsu is um, Brazilian jujitsu is a Brazilian sect, um, if you will, break off of the original jitsu, which was a Japanese grappling art. And then judo is another version of that as well. So judo is like the path this way, which is standing techniques. And then jitsu is up here. Jiu-jitsu, or Brazilian jiu-jitsu is over here. So they're kind of like, they're similar in a way and they come from the same source, but they're different. And the point that I want to make about, the, about bringing that up is essentially like one thing they tell you in judo, and this is a Japanese concept because Japanese, or judo is a Japanese art. The concept is randori is the word that they use for sparring, basically. But sparring doesn't do the word uh, justice. Calling it sparring doesn't do it justice. And the reason for that is because culturally, randori means something different. And what randori means, essentially, is learning by doing. Uh, judo translates, essentially, to the way, the way of doing. And so you learn by just tossing each other, by throwing each other, and practicing getting thrown over and over and over again. And that's eventually how you start to, you know, get better and and uh, compete maybe. Maybe you have a tournament or maybe you even have a fight and, and your judo helps you in a fight. You need more dojos, if you will, right? Like, let's just put it that way. In an MMO, you need more dojos, guild halls, guild, you know, cities, wh- whatever you want to call them. But they need, there need to be places for people to meet, interact with each other, and also potentially work on their crafts, right? Practice. Something so you aren't alone immediately. Yeah, and I think that's quite possibly, again, this is just my opinion, but one of the most important things in a sandbox game is not feeling alone. If you feel alone and you don't know how to fix that problem, it's very understandable why you're not enjoying the game, right? Eve starts you in a corp, but it's pointless. It does have a newbie channel, so you're put into it, which has people and the devs are there to help. I spent several years practicing judo, and it was always about doing. Most of the lesson was down to sparring. Yeah, and I mean... That's uniquely Japanese uh, because a good amount of other martial arts will beat each other near to death to practice. And yet in judo, which is a very tough martial arts still, um, Japanese practitioners are still able to almost artistically throw each other. And so you'd, you'd wonder, why, how, why is that? And essentially it's because if I'm throwing somebody else, that other person is in some way letting me throw them. Because if they aren't in some way, like let's say they're going 60% of their energy, that means that I have enough to where I don't have to use all of my energy and I can still fire off the technique. But if another person is just going 100% against me every single time I encounter them, I'm not used to the intensity. You see what I'm saying? If I'm going in with like a 60% or no expectation of what the engagement would be, which is a good amount of people who PvP, and all of a sudden I get what stomped by like 20 dudes, they steal all my shit, I'm going to be pretty pissed, right? Again, that goes back to there's things that you can do to solve these problems, but they just haven't really been done yet. Or when they've been done, it's been after the fact. So instead of fixing your problems after the fact, like Legends of Aria, when I told you guys personally, the lead developer of that game, going into a game without a alignment system fully figured out for PvP doesn't work they learn that the hard way unfortunately but it just doesn't you can't fix all those problems after the facts you you got to fix some of it in the very beginning all right i think i finally reached a stopping point so um if you guys have any more questions now i can open it up to the floor uh some good old-fashioned um 
viewer questions, AMA, feel free to at me in uh, Twitch chat if you guys have any more questions. If you don't, I'll head out of here. I won't stay too long. Any questions you guys have, I'm open to answering whatever. Also, this shirt, you can find it on a Teespring. I don't remember what my links are, but they're probably somewhere. And then it says Nerd Slayer on the back. Pretty minimal, but I like the shirt. Any chance of a podcast with no rants? I mean, shit, would it even be a podcast at that point? Wouldn't it be more like a show? So, to me, something without a rant would be like a show. Or maybe uh, a series. But a podcast or a discussion? I mean, isn't, isn't the fun just ranting? <laughs> um, I was lucky enough, Limpos, to have one of the topics of the week related to it. So I'll tell you that um, as much as it doesn't seem that way, acronym and definition-based arguments are not really my forte. But you know it's sad when I'm having to make those arguments. Like, if you guys knew me personally... I'm Mr. Eh, that word's good enough. I'm Mr. Eh, I exaggerated, but you know what I meant. I'm that's my fault of myself. I'm kind of that way. And yet I've realized that I can't really be that way with MMOs. Otherwise we're gonna keep getting shit games. So <laughs> now I'm a stickler because I feel like I kinda have to be. <laughs> Would you consider Modern WoW really an MMO anymore? No, but you know. If my opinion matters, I guess. If it matters that much. I mean, I think the only topic that we talked about whether or not something was an MMO was Magic Legends, right? Or I think that's what it's called, Magic Legends. It's pretty quiet today. Seems like the majority of the conversations happened earlier. So It's also holidays. So I get it. Oh, that? Unfortunately, the only reason why I haven't made that video is because I'd have to make another one. And what I mean by that is that if I make one, it's not going to be good enough. Because I want to make a, a documentary about it, to be honest. I think defining what an MMORPG means might require a full documentary length video. Like, it, it might not be easy enough to explain in just 10 minutes. I, I would feel like I'd almost not do it enough justice if I didn't give my entire case. Give the backstory and, you know, the stuff that we talk about sometimes as well. The haters that would flock to that video. I mean, I'm kind of realizing like haters flock to anything, even if you make as like nice and iron tight of an argument as possible. People will still say this video sucks. Fuck you, basically. Get Snoop Dogg the co-host. <laughs> haters gonna hat. I mean, basically. It will be a three-hour TED Talk by Nerd. <laughs> a TED Talk. Hey, I mean, it's possible. The cool thing about wearing a hat, Limpos, is you can find excuses to flex your, your, your biceps. Mad Hatter. I knew that. I knew I recognized that from something. Mad Hatter. You don't need excuses. You just do it. <laughs> you just do it in like random places. It. One thing. Um. I'm curious how you deal with it, Limpos, because. I definitely consider you a nerd, man. You're part of our Discord. You're always chatting and playing games. Even if you are strong or fit in person, you're a nerd in my book. How does it feel sometimes when you're a nerd or nerdy and people look at you and you're like, oh, you're not really a nerd, though? What's your opinion of that kind of stuff? Like when people are kind of gatekeepy 
about it because I've gotten messages like that on my Instagram where people will say like, I've only gotten this like twice because I don't, not a lot of people come to my Instagram. I don't really advertise it, but I had like one or two people be like, oh, like, why are you showing your abs? Or like, are you showing like a picture of yourself? And doesn't mind you. I rarely even talk about nerdy stuff in day-to-day -day life, so it's not something that confuses people. Fair enough. Are you defining MMO or has it become more of an EQ-like or UO-like? Uh, I think I understand what you're trying to say. I'm not personally defining it, though I do have some things that I will say personally I believe in. Like, I like sandbox games more. I think they're better for longevity. I think PvP content is better for longevity than, than PvE content. Um, I think combining all the content together, as I mentioned, in a sandbox is better than sectionalizing them in a sandbox. Um, but ultimately, whenever I talk about what does MMO mean, it really just breaks down to the brass tacks. Does it have enough players to be considered an MMO? Like, if you want to keep it as simple as possible, keep it that. Are enough players playing at the same time, the same zones, experiencing the game? The answer is no. It's probably not an MMO. But maybe if they got 60 players, you could call it a multiplayer online RPG. And maybe if they have just three or four, you can call it a co-op game or just a multiplayer game. I don't think there needs to be some obsession with coming up with new names. I feel like those names do just fine explaining it. Either you're an RPG Either you're an RPG that has online, either you're a multiplayer online RPG, um, a, a RPG, or you're a massive multiplayer online RPG. What does make me annoyed is that I speak with a thick rural accent, and I am quite big, so people think my intellect is not there. Oh, dude. I mean, you guys know me from being nerdy, but y'all should meet me in person, because the person me is, I play dumb like 99% of the time. That's, that's a marking of my personality is I'm always just like, oh, really? That's what it means? Oh, okay. When people tell me things, I just, I'm always like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. And I just play like I'm the idiot. Why, you might ask? I think it's just because uh, I don't like when people treat me weird or different for being weird and different, unless it's like within the context. Like, if you're just like, oh, you like video games, and then and then just start being like, well, you're a jock, or you're, you like you know, you're like video games, you're a nerd. Like, yeah, that's kind of annoying. Because it's like, all that shit's stereotypes, dude. Like, what's a jock? What's a nerd? Like, playing MMO since I was seven doesn't make me a nerd. You know what I mean? Like, a, gate, if gatekeeping is how you want to do it, then let's start gatekeeping. That's how I see it. If, if being a nerd is being about, uh, if being a nerd is about gatekeeping, then I'll gatekeep. But being a nerd isn't about gatekeeping. Being an MMO nerd is about gatekeeping. Now, I'm partly joking, but you guys also know there's some truth there. <laughs> uh, definitions get uh, definitions get weird with games. You can't really gatekeep even based on literal definitions of words or someone gets mad. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> that's true. And I know, again, I'm literally setting up myself to be that person for a decade to come. And I'm probably going to hate it in the future. But maybe in the future, if games have gotten better, if MMOs have gotten better, if the industry has evolved, or we started a whole new craze and everyone's saying the words correctly in 10 years, point being is I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm going to try my damnest to explain the definitions as simply as possible so we can stop being ruled by them. Because you don't need to be ruled by definitions, um, just as you don't need to be tricked 
by definitions or terminology. That stuff is there to help you, or at least it should be. And that's why I think it annoys me so much when play, uh, companies like Wildcard call things MMOs or Cryptic call things MMOs. I know why you guys are doing that. To make money, right? Look at who's in charge of uh, Cryptic. Perfect World Entertainment. Is anybody here going to argue that that Chinese company is not focused on making money? I mean, has anyone played Perfect World? <laughs> Let alone any of their other games. Outrage culture. Yeah, and they're, it's funny because outrage culture can help you, though. And I think lately it actually has been helping us. And, and hear me out. I'm seeing a lot of criticism on the MMORPG subreddit of games that aren't actually massive now. And I didn't see that as much before. If anything, I saw people just defending it. And now I'm even seeing, you know, the old school Guild Wars 2 fanboys who thought that the game never could have any flaw are now starting to talk about these things. So you could say it's just because time's changed and they're learning as it, as it goes, but I think that something is changing in the water. Like, I'm not going to say it's me. It's probably me, Lazy Peon. Um, ah, damn, me, Lazy Peon, Fever, um, maybe... Who else could I throw in there? Maybe... Um, I, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head. I have to look him up. There's not that many YouTubers who do <laughs> Limpos. There's not there's not that many YouTubers who do MMOs. I'm trying to remember what what is the it's what is the other guy? Um damn it. Whatever. I'm forgetting his name right now. Sorry, man. I follow you on Twitter. And we've talked before. But for some reason right now I'm just blanking out on your name. But yeah, maybe in some part, we've helped the collective education of MMO players go up. But I'm not arrogant enough to say that. I'll just say that I think that MMO players on average are probably smarter than other types of players. So they're starting to figure it out on their own. That's what I think. I, I hope that my Death of a Game videos have been helpful in that regard. Because they've been seen by millions, which is pretty cool. Um... Assuming such would just be wishful thinking. We'll see, right? Yeah, and, and, and card to, to reiterate something, there isn't anything being wrong with being a nerd. And, and, I, and I tell you guys that all the time. I just like to poke fun at a lot of the like tropes that exist. Where people say, you're not a nerd, or you're not this, or you're not that, because of like some weird like arbitrary things. Like... I... <laughs> Time and experience, right? Definitely the best teachers. Um, all right, I think that's a good stopping point. We we definitely went a couple of different directions today. For those listening on uh, SoundCloud, YouTube, or on any of the um, sound platforms like Apple or wherever else you guys listen to the podcast, I'd like to thank you guys for listening. Of course, the people who showed up today to watch me live and watch me on YouTube. I'd like to thank you guys as well. And I'm do I'm trying to do a better job of bridging the visual gap with the vocal gap. So I want people who listen to the podcast to still get a podcast experience, not feel like it's just a live stream. Because I saw someone mention that. Like I had like one negative review on on the um on the uh, Apple podcast page. And it was basically a guy saying that. He's like, it's kind of a, a live show. 
um, stream more than it is a podcast. Um, and the reason for that simply is just, it's honestly resources. If I could show you guys, there's a wall right here in front of me. This wall, I'm going to put a couch on it. And then all, this wall is going to be full of all my uh, Nerd Slayer stuff, all my theme stuff. And so I'm going to have a camera back here that's on a tripod and my light set up here. And they're going to be pointing this way. So this right here is just my webcam, which is, you know, cheap $50, $60 webcam that I've had for like five years or six years. But once I get a camera, then I can actually have a camera pointing over here and design a set. That's the actual goal. That's why you don't, guys don't see me really doing it right now is that I'm waiting until I can build it the way I want to build it and I have enough money to do that. So I need a futon, need a camera, need a, um, a tripod, um, need new lights because I broke my other light. That one there, that one back there is broken. Um, and then I have my posters already, so I'll probably get probably a cork board throw some rubber bands on there, make it look like a crime scene uh, um, investigation. And then Baconite had a great idea of me showing clues for what the next death of a game would be up on that board. So you can kind of like see it in the background, try and solve the crime. I think that'd be pretty cool too. So I have these different ideas, but honestly, it just all comes down to, I have, I'm never ending with ideas. Cash, not so much. <laughs> so you guys have to be patient with me if you want me to do cool things. And don't worry. Y'all know I'm trying, and I'm working on it. We'll get there. You getting famous. <laughs> famous is a really weird word to hear whenever I just feel like a nerd who played way too many video games. But I guess, statistically speaking, I've reached more people than I've ever reached before, so... I might be a bit more of a broad-spectrum nerd. That's a good point card. We, we should we should talk about that sometime. The difference between a general nerd and a, a specialized nerd. I'm definitely a lot more of a specialized nerd. And I, I know sometimes that makes me not seem as nerdy to other people. Because they're like, wait, martial arts? That's not nerdy. Absolutely, yes, it is. But if you're not aware of it, maybe you think, oh, that's like, what, isn't that what like fit jocks do or something, right? It's like, what I do? There's not a whole lot of jocks that do it. There's not a whole lot of the, the in-strong lift weights crowd who are doing it it's mostly nerds <laughs> um thanks by the way ratskis all right guys i will see y'all later i don't have anything else to add um here's the hat here's the tip and um i will see you guys next week same time as usual we'll have more topics to go over of course and uh why am i hating on the lifting weights crowd i've been lifting weights um I've done two sessions in the past week, which is the most I've done in a minute. Um, that's on top of five sessions at the gym, uh, jiu-jitsu gym. But still, two, two sessions of lifting weights and already like sore in my chest, sore here, sore, you know, like it's been good that I've been easing into it. So I'm not just like super sore. But to answer your question, it's not that I have anything against people who lift weights. It's that I usually find that most people who do are really boring about it or do such in such a casual way that I can't relate to. And what I mean by that is that I grew up lifting weights since sixth grade. So I've been lifting weights since I was in sixth grade. And in football, 
high school football in Texas um, or football period in Texas, it's not very uncommon. You lift weights when you're pretty young, like sixth grade, lifting weights all the way through high school. And so you build up like a propensity for that stuff and you do it a bit, but you actually learn. Like you go to lessons, you learn how to lift and then you leave high school and go to the random gym and it's like all hell breaks loose, dude. There's no, again, maybe it's just because where I'm from, a country, etc. But I'll go to the gym here sometimes and it's like, you got dudes occupying three different stations. You got dudes doing squats on bench bars. You got dudes doing benches on squat bars. You got dudes leaving weights on. You got people grunting the whole time and whatever else weird sound effects they're doing. You've got guys hitting on girls the whole time or like talking to girls and like there's just all that shit to me is just distractions. When I lift weights, I just want it to be the weights, me, maybe a partner or two. Just lift hard and get it over with. 30 minute, you know, 25 minute session, get your five, six reps in, sorry, five, six sets in, get out. That's that's my view when it comes to lifting weights. It's not as fun for the sake of it for me. So I don't blame people who find lifting weights boring, just as I don't blame people who find running boring. I kind of find them both in some ways boring. That being said, um, obviously they're both really good for you. Uh, Lifting weights has innumerable amounts of uh, health benefits, especially for when you're older. Because guess what, guys? When you guys start getting into your 40s, 50s, 60s, just like me, the doctor is going to advise you to lift weights because that's a big part of remaining injury-free is lifting weights. Um, in fact, that's probably the biggest advantage of lifting weights, um, is being injury free. Cause I mean, I guess you could injure yourself from lifting weights, but it's not as common as, um, the likeliness that you would decrease the amount of injuries you'd have. You complain about the rants and then you draw the podcast out. Yeah, I know he's a hypocrite. (laughs) I'll see you guys later. (laughs) 